This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 484, a conversation with Chip Zdarsky. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 484. It's our conversation with Chip Zdarsky. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, we've got uh, some great conversation coming up with Chip. Uh, the one kind of um, a disclaimer is uh, I had a, a, a window open that I shouldn't have had open for part of the interview. So unfortunately, some of the audio is going to be a little bit uh, obscured by some kind of sounds from the window, which is unfortunate. Um, also, uh, it, it's a little it's a little fainter than I thought it was going to be in terms of um, uh, the actual how loud it is. Uh, but I think you can still kind of make it out, and it will, it's a good conversation. I got to, to sit down with Chip. He actually came over to my house, which is a little bit different. So first combo creator to actually come into my home, um, and we got to chat for almost three hours, which was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, my son came down to join us a couple times, uh, not on purpose, um, or at least it wasn't planned, I should say. Um, I wanted to thank Stretcho for the Marvel Masterworks forum, as well as uh, Razorcat. Uh, their questions definitely uh, were used in the uh, conversation, although I don't think I necessarily uh, um, kind of name-checked them specifically, but they're definitely here, um, and they'll recognize their questions. Uh, this was a great conversation with Chip. Got to talk about um, kind of his beginnings uh, in illustration. Uh, we talked a lot about the Canadian newspaper scenes. So sorry for that. Put some people off. Um, talked about sex criminals, uh, Captara. I think the only thing, big thing in his career that we didn't really get a chance to talk about was Star-Lord. Uh, everything else we kind of touched on. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, Jughead, uh, Howard the Duck. We talked a lot about Howard the Duck. Uh, it was a really entertaining uh, conversation. Had a great time with Chip, and um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. You can always email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, next week's episode should be a conversation with Brian Wood. Uh, we're just uh, finalizing scheduling on that as there was a bit of rescheduling that had to happen, uh, but hopefully that'll be episode uh, 486. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. But without further ado, let's jump right on into the conversation. Conversation with Chip Sidarsky. Well, okay, Chip, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. And I guess I should ask, would you prefer to be called Chip, Steve, Steve Chip, or Chip Steve? <laughs> or Todd, or MC Champagne, or any of my yeah. other uh, alter egos? MC Champagne? Yeah, yeah, that's my, that's my DJ name. <laughs> um, I We actually have a DJ on the block right here. The official yeah. DJ of the Toronto Blue Jays lives in, in my block. Oh, that is illustrious. <laughs> Um, I'm the unofficial DJ of the Toronto Blue Jays. So okay. We have a bit of a rivalry. All right, then. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I've got, like, over the years, I've had, like, six or seven alter egos. Okay. Um, obviously, Chip Starsky is the one that uh, stuck to the point where it was two years ago, I was at San Diego, and I brought my brother with me because I was mm-hmm. allowed to bring a guest. He's a huge nerd. And uh, at some point, I was, like, at my table, just, like, sketching away signing and my brother was like 10 feet away talking to somebody mm-hmm. and he had to get my attention he turned and he went Steve Steve and I just wasn't even I did not hear it at all as soon as he said Chip I just like looked up like what like a dog just well, finally funny. hearing their name um, yeah so I respond to Chip more these days than Steve so where did you know coming up with these names come, you know, kind of come from why did you start using them uh, well, initially, the Chip Starsky name came about because I was doing freelance work for the Globe and Mail and the National Post here, and um, there was some conflict there. Mm. Uh, I basically, I screwed up okay. uh, a couple times. Can we swear in this podcast? Absolutely. Please, okay. please do. I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and I did an illustration in the National Post 
that was about slamming the Globe and Mail the oh. day before I had a Globe and Mail illustration that was due to appear. Okay. So I created a problem, and I told my editor that I would come up with a fake name okay. whenever I did anything that would cause conflict. And so I think about a year later, um, I was doing a comic strip for a university newspaper, and I knew it was going to be uh, dark and weird and maybe raunchy, mm-hmm. and that the Globe and Mail is not nope. uh, that kind of place. Not really. So I, I, ne- I needed to come up with a fake name for it. Okay. See if you've been to Toronto Sun, maybe. Like, yeah, the Toronto like, Sun, no problem. <laughs> Toronto Sun was the first newspaper I worked at. I worked oh, really? there when I was like 15, 16. Oh, really? What'd you do for them? Cartoons. Like, okay. There was like a high school section. And, oh, really? Um, through weird connections, I ended up being one of the guys who did cartoons. Oh, wow. About graduated licensing in Ontario. Okay. Real heavy stuff at the time. A- absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, so the name stuck, and it stuck mostly because I didn't want to be online as Steve Murray. Okay. But then the National Post gig became more of a job, and they really wanted to push us online, and so Steve Murray became a thing. Steve Murray ran for mayor in 2010, and the Chip Zdarsky thing became secondary. And, uh, yeah, after Sex Criminals, that all kind of flipped. Yeah, for sure. And it's at the point now I, I so rarely use my real name. I signed some documents on the weekend, and I almost signed them chip. Oh, really? Yeah, like, it's 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 gotten bad. Would you ever legally change your name? Was that ever something you um, thought of? Well, it's funny, because my wife is in the process right now. Um, like, she has a weird kind of name situation where she's put off changing it legally for, like, basically 30 years. Uh, because she thought it was way too expensive, and she found out yesterday that mm-hmm. it's only like 130 bucks. Yeah, it's really not much at you all. You could change your name. <laughs> so we just started toying with the idea of just like going with like single names. Okay. She would just be Jessica and I'd be Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of like pulling out your passport and just got like Steve on it. Wouldn't that mess with everything you ever do online though? Because it yeah. always wants first and last names and it would just be like, what? <laughs> That's one of the first things I thought of like, oh wait, we can't do that. I don't know how Cher does it, but yeah, yeah, Cher filling out online <laughs> forms, Cher. <laughs> Ah, shit. See, oh, back Lord. before computers were a thing, that would have been fine, but yeah, now... Not ruined everything. <laughs> so yeah, no, I never, never thought of like legally changing it to Chip. Um, because also my wife doesn't like that name. Okay, well that would be a big reason not to then. Up until, like, we've been together 10, 10 years, coming on 11, and um, she only called me Chip for the first time last month. Oh, because she had to, because she was with me at a convention. Okay, I was gonna say, what was the context here? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, she's like, no, I'm never calling you Chip. Like she, she was, she said that for years. It's weird for her if we were in a, an event and people are calling me Chip. Yeah. And then she decided to help me at conventions. She came with me to WonderCon, and uh, people were calling her Mrs. Zdarsky. Oh, really? And are you Chip's wife? And she's like, oh my god. So she had to like call me Chip. She couldn't just say that she's married to some other guy and. Yeah, yeah, like a, a thing on the side. <laughs> oh, I never really thought of turning this whole thing into role play that's great <laughs> god I've got to end this interview now and go home and reveal this to my wife guess what Chip is your other man no the name Chip I mean that's like mm-hmm. very unique like what, what kind of led you to kind of choose that as as the name like I'm always interested by fake names because they usually yeah. come from some kind of source so yeah so the uh, were you watching a lot of Beauty and the Beast and you really like that, that kid's <laughs> no. name like surprisingly not um no, the uh, chip came from Charles Schultz. Okay. So the guy who did Peanuts, his nickname was Sparky. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was really funny, the idea of a grown adult man 
with a child's nickname. Yeah. You know, because you kind of grow up with it. And you're like, oh, man, I'm still Sparky. Um, I can only think of two, Charles Schultz and uh, Sparky Anderson. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just weird. It, right? It's weird. <laughs> it's a very short list. And so Chip is actually kind of the short form of Charles. Okay. So that kind of played into that. And also the idea of a grown man with the name Chip is okay. really funny to me. I'm sure there's Chips out there that are just, like, furious hearing this, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought one more Chip Eston uh, stand up, uh, not stand up, but the improv comic who's okay. done, on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And he's also an actor. Right? Yeah, well, I, think he's, I think he's Charles, but he goes by Chip Eston. Yeah, yeah, there, there's Chips in comics too, like Chip Mosher, Comicsology. Yeah. Um, Chip Kid. Yes, of did course, yeah. design stuff. So, yeah. so there's actually a lot out there. Yeah, and there, there are, and uh, here I am kind of poking fun at it. <laughs> So what happened? So where did Zdarsky come from? And how'd you how'd you settle on the spelling? Okay, well Zdarsky's a real name. Yeah, that I stole from a friend's ex girlfriend. Okay, um, my friend was dating a woman. Uh, this is going back fifteen twenty years ago now, and she was so cool. Like she was just like okay. super funny and cute, and just like everyone loved her. And then he broke up with her, just okay. kind of out of the blue mm-hmm. for like just dumb reasons. And we were so mad at him. <laughs> And so I took her last name as a memorial to the relationship. <laughs> so he would, so he would always be reminded. Wow, of the fact that you uh, let her get away—that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did have a listener question, which did say, "What did you do with Steve Murray, and is he okay?" <laughs> so I guess the answer is yes. He's all right. <laughs> put him out to the farm with the dogs. And who put you up to getting rid of him? Was it Matt Fraction? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Matt finds it weird to call me Steve as yeah. well. Yeah, he's, he's like Matt's like my. I think Kelly Sue called him my comics husband. Okay. Um, so he's got like the opposite problem that my wife has. Like he has troubles with calling me Steve. Okay. My wife has troubles calling me Chip. So yeah, yeah. I guess all your checks is Steve. <laughs> well, you know, I had to I had to sort that out when I when originally started doing. Um, online comics as Chip Zdarsky there was the you know I was selling my my old comics Prison Funnies and Monster Cops and Mm -hmm. um, I always stated on my website you know because of uh, uh, legal issues you have to the checks have to be made out to cash so I would get all these (laughs) checks made out to cash going to the bank did anyone ever ask like what's going on here no 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 they just like thought it was part of the uh, the mythology that I was (laughs) desperately trying to create no, I mean, or did the, is this is this where the uh, you know the inception of this hatred against banks coming from? Like, I can't even cash checks as chip, so screw banks. Well, that's more on Matt, really. <laughs> I love banks. Okay. They help me in, in, in all my daily dealings. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because as as a bank employee reading yeah. through sex criminals, it's definitely like, man, there's a serious hatred for banks. But I think that's more of an American thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I think. Especially in sex criminals, um, it's all because the guy at the top is mm-hmm. actually the shitbag. Yeah, like it's got little to do with the bank; it has more to do with True. his weird agenda. Yeah, um, he's tainted the good name of banks. <laughs> That's well, the problem. Let's not go that far, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I would say Canadian banks are, you know, yeah. thought of yeah. a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're not quite as corrupt. No. <laughs> We don't go under. There's, there's like five major banks. We're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I, I'm a bank employee. I have to come to the defense of a bank that does not need my defense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So let's let's go back. Actually, I want to ask a question. So according to comicbookdb.com, you die on December 22nd, 2038. (laughs) Just a day after turning 63. Wow, that sounds... Do you know the cause of death? That sounds very accurate. (laughs) Um, Did you think you'd make it to 63, and what does you in? Well, can you die from just sadness and just from being sad? I think that's probably what's going to happen. Okay. Epic depression? Yeah, yeah, just a... Crying to the point where there's no more fluids in my body. <laughs> so basically, so basically, yeah, you're you're dehydrated. Yeah, yeah, from crying so much. I'll die at a comic convention. I know that much. Okay, like for sure that'll factor into it. Is it is it in Canada or is it abroad? It's yeah, it's it's far from home. <laughs> I've traveled too far. Okay. I haven't slept. You're crying. I'm, I'm overworking. I'm crying, and then I die. <laughs> Are you in the middle of signing as you're crying, or is it just like in a hotel alone? I'm in the middle of signing my contract to write Batman. <laughs> and so I the tears are, they're happy tears. No, no, because no? I realize that's the end. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the end of, of the line. Yeah, yeah, that's the, one, that's the one job I've always dreamed of. I'm just about to do it, and then I realize, oh, this isn't making me happy. And then I, <laughs> then I die. Wow, that's yeah. incredibly dark, yet... Anyways, this has been great. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? So, is, is Batman the, the Holy Grail? No. No? I mean, there's no Holy Grail. That's okay. the kind of thing. Is it wrong to have kind of goals like that when it comes to, you know, characters you want to work on? Because what happens when you, when you get that? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. The, um, I never thought this would be my career. Okay. So it's kind of one of those, like, not in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be writing a Spider-Man book. Mm. Like, it's great that I'm doing it, yeah. like, for me at least, I don't know about for readers. <laughs> um, but because it wasn't a goal, like, I, I, don't, I don't pull up the big checklist and go, all right, I did it, Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but so, starting today, you will, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now now the, the thought's there. Now yeah, you're start the start. list, but it's already, like, pre-checked off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I've had ideas for, like, Batman books. Like, Batman's probably, like, my favorite mm-hmm. uh, non-Spider-Man character. Okay. And You uh, legally have to say that? I ha- now that you're writing Spider-Man? I legally have to say that, yeah. And, um... And, yeah, like... I've sent pitches in. Okay. Um, and, uh... It hasn't happened yet. Okay. Not yet. How did, I, I wanted to ask a question. So I was looking over some of the work you've done. So uh, how did you work as come to work as a colorist on Fierce, the Rocket? Oh Rangers? yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean, most people know you now as you know as an illustrator and as a writer. But yeah, how did you kind of start as a colorist there? Well, so I was working in a studio. It was, um, I started a studio in Toronto with Cameron Stewart and Kate McLeod and Ben Shannon. Yeah, the Royal Academy of Illustration and Design, mm-hmm. Raid. And uh, was that on purpose, just to get those initials? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it was during that period where, like, I'm still super interested in comics. Like, I followed the industry, and mm-hmm. like, I was putting up my own kind of independent stuff. And uh, yeah, I forget Jeremy and Robert Love. I think they may have just kind of posted online that they're looking for colorists. I was like, I really like rendering. Like, rendering is kind of like I don't think I'm necessarily that good of a a drawer. Okay. Like actually like, you know, drawing the human form and laying out a page <laughs> and everything that comes with it. But I like the color. And so, and I like to digitally paint because at that time I was, I had a bit of a background in background animation. 
Okay. Uh, so I just learned how to digitally paint backgrounds, hmm. and I, I wanted to kind of transfer those skills. And uh, and Robert and Jeremy were super into the idea, and uh, I did a terrible job. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, "Oh, this is just lush." I mean, just you so lasted the entire series, so couldn't have done that four issues. So. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Still, yeah, true. I've seen people removed from books after one issue. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hit the deadlines. That's that's kind of the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I remember like spending so much time on it, just like really painting it up, and you know all these like dumb Photoshop effects and. In the end, it's no good. No. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a poorly colored series, and I did a disservice to the brothers' love. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. Like getting that. Mm-hmm. Like I remember getting my first copy of that in the mail. Yeah. Like, this is like my first official work for a company. And for it sure. So great. Now, how did you get involved with National Post and, and Globe and Mail? Like, and obviously, I guess the Sun mm-hmm. when you were younger. Like that's pretty cool and I would say I would, as an outsider I'd imagine kind of hard to get into um, you'd be surprised <laughs> <laughs> so the National Post um, I went to Sharon College for illustration Okay. and the focus was editorial illustration so newspapers and magazine articles mm-hmm. Okay. and towards the end of my time there the job posting had come in to do information graphics at the National Post and the coordinator there was National Post still relatively new at the time. Yeah, it was like maybe two years, okay. three years in. Yeah, I guess it's been around what twenty years now, or like not it's, maybe quite. But yeah, oh Christ, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it still feels like a new paper to me because I remember the Financial Post and then yep. it kind of morphed into a section of the National Post. Yeah, yeah, we're old enough that it feels new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the job posting came up, and basically my coordinator came over to me and was like. You are the only person here that reads the newspaper. Like, I see you with the newspaper, so maybe okay. this is a thing that you should uh, mm-hmm. apply for. And Kagan McLeod, the artist in Captara, was actually, yeah. he graduated here before me, and he got co-op there okay. and then later on a, a job doing the same thing. Oh, wow. And I, I kind of knew him a little bit, and so um, he vouched for me, and I interviewed, and I got in. But the original job was basically, like, I'd fill in one day a week, and I would do information graphics. And so that meant maps, stock charts, mm-hmm. um, you know, so a lot of kind of really boring technical diagrams. And I learned on the job how to do that, uh, to use specific programs to, mm-hmm. um, to design things and to, you know, draw buildings and cars and whatever. And Functional was, stuff. Yeah, and it was awesome. It was a great job. It, was, it subsidized me doing kind of just independent comics and kind of goofing mm-hmm. off in my 20s. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I'd, I'd get one shift there, and it was 120 bucks, and that was, like, that was gold mm-hmm. back then. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they later bumped it up to, like, $200. So I was like, wow, it's cocaine for everyone. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> this much. Is, this is great. I mean, like, what was minimum wage back then? Was it, like, 685 or something? Like, yeah, so yeah. That's, like, you know, two full days of work. I know. It was, like, yeah. It was for, a dream. And I was, I was, I was doing freelance illustration jobs for the Globe and Mail as well at the time and I got that while I was still in school so I guess that yeah predated National Post because um, there was a section in the Globe and Mail called Facts and Arguments mm-hmm. which were essays from readers and they would always be illustrated like an illustration to accompany it and myself and my friends who were in illustration we both loved and hated that section because it was an illustration every day in there oh wow but they were almost all terrible. 
I know a lot of people, a lot of artists like to like clip out work that inspires them. They put yeah. it up in front of their drawing board. I would yeah. clip out the worst illustrations <laughs> from that section, and I would put it in front of my drawing board to remind myself. You Don't know, do this. To shoot for better than this. <laughs> That's a type of motivation, for sure. Yeah, and eventually, you know, I felt like my portfolio was strong enough, and uh, I, I called the Globe and Mail the front desk, and the, uh, the receptionist... I tried to explain what illustration was. Like, I'm just like, oh, I, I need to speak to someone. I'm an illustrator. Mm-hmm. They're like, what's illustrator? Like, <laughs> I do, like, paintings. So like, I don't understand. Like, like photos? Like, photos? I'm like, no. And then I, I told her the specific section. Mm-hmm. And so she put me through to the editor of that section. Okay. Instead of putting me through to the art director, who would have said no okay. right away. Because yeah. I was not ready. But the editor, it was her third day on the job. Oh, wow. And she was told she needed more illustrators because the globe was, had switched to color. Okay, yeah, that's right. And so she wanted to see my stuff. And wow. I got two jobs right away, and they were $250 each. And that was like my rent. Yeah. 500 bucks was my rent. That's huge. It was like the best. And then I got my illustrator friends in. Like, I'm yeah. just like, you've got to submit right now. It's the only opportunity any of us have. Yeah. And like, that one editor kept us alive for probably five years. Wow. Like, me and my friends. Like, it was like so lucky. It was dumb and ballsy of me to even submit at that point because I was like in between. That's how people get sec- jobs, though, right? True, but I was in between second and third deal of, of illustration, and I, I don't even think I was in the top ten percent of talented people in that class. Like, no. but I, I knew what I wanted, and I, I, I just figured I might as well go for it. I like this is basically a uh, a newspaper uh, podcast. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is right now. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I, I think other people would be interested to a, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a question I have, which is very inside baseball to people who know Canadian newspapers, mm-hmm. but what was it like, kind of working for the two different papers? Because I would imagine they have a different, they have a very different feel, different yeah. market that they're kind of going after. And uh, was there kind of a different culture in terms of what you would create for them, or how would that work? Cause yeah, well, the Globe and Mail, like I never physically went into the building. I think I went okay. in there once. Okay, um, I've been in there since, and it is a. Uh, it's a more subdued place. Mm. It's, you know, the newspaper of record in Canada, and they kind yeah. of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they like to let you know that, I think, when you work there. Yeah. The National Post was just kind of bonkers. Yeah. Like, it was... They were flush with money in the early days, mm-hmm. and um, anything went. Like, whatever you wanted to put in the paper was fine. <laughs> um, I've often called it Canada's largest student newspaper. <laughs> Because it has that feel. Yeah, you know, when you're okay. at a student newspaper, it's like, more so what than do the we sun? do with this? More so than the sun? The sun... Yeah, I'm sure the sun would be a fun place to work. Like, I did stuff for them when I was, like, 15, I was saying, yeah. earlier. But, uh, um, but they were just like, yeah, how to describe the sun? Like, it's tabloidy. Yeah. Like, it, it just feels... You feel, I think, probably dirtier, weirdly working for the sun than you would with the Post. Okay. Like, the Post at least, you know, kind of ran some intellectuals. Yes. Like, when I was picking it up as a reader, like, I love the fact that, you know, you'd have Andrew Coyne in there, mm-hmm. but you'd also have Mark Kingwell. Yeah. Um, who was, like, a philosopher. <laughs> a philosopher and intellectual. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was like you could you could you could pitch anything, and that's how I kind of like created a name for myself there. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, I was just like, "Well, they need to fill these pages every day, yep. and I'm here in house. Yeah. Like, why don't I just say, hey, did you actually give me work in their offices at all?' Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all that work was done in house. Okay, 
because you had to be um, you had to be there for breaking news. Okay. Because my job was graphic, so if a tsunami hit, mm-hmm. I had to have to do a thing showing where it is, showing how a tsunami yeah. happens. Um, and this is before Google Maps, so we'd have to scan atlases to do the maps. Oh, wow. The maps, like, and trace them out. And yeah. It's just, I feel so old. The more I describe <laughs> the old days of newspapers. No, no, I, I get it. Like, like, when I was in high school, I was the last editor of my school's newspaper who didn't do, go digital, where yeah. we actually had the pages, everything out, yep. and actual photographs. And the year after me, everything went digital, and they suddenly got a lot of money for the yearbook club or whatever it was. Yeah. And suddenly they could put everything on discs, and they could do all this stuff, and it seemed so easy but yeah. to us we had like the you know actual photographs cutting it all out putting it on the giant pages having to actually get all the measurements correct and it sounds so crazy now that because it's yeah. that's so far away from what is you know current i know that's very similar to because when i was at a university newspaper u of t the um we were the first year to go over to actual digital production okay so we'd have to again like we i'd compose it on yeah. the screen we had mm-hmm. to print it out into sections and yep. pace it down and at like three in the morning we call a cab <laughs> and one of us would get in the cab yeah. and drive the pages out to the printing press wow. to photograph it that's crazy yeah it's just it's bonkers we're old though we are old I'm very old <laughs> these, these are all very old timey stories yeah <laughs> yeah. so so National Post like because I knew they had a, a, a looser kind of attitude towards their content let's just say <laughs> um and they had like the Avenue page, which was their kind of big blank page every day that was just kind of yep. used for a variety of things. It was kind mm-hmm. of the random page. I pitched them an idea of basically doing like a joke infographic mm-hmm. thing. I think it was the first one was for Thanksgiving. And I did like okay. pie charts and maps and stuff, but they were all jokes. Yeah. And uh, and they, they liked it because it's content. Yes. And it was content. funny. Yeah. It was something that the Globe wouldn't do. No. And that's like, not. that was always like, if you wanted to convince the post to do a thing, you just had to tell them the globe wouldn't do this. <laughs> be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> was, was the star never really like competition in the same way? <laughs> um, well, strangely, I mean, the star is the number one newspaper in Canada. Yeah, circulation. And I worked at the star for three months during that period. Okay. I was filling in for somebody's leave of absence, and it was a bad three months. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, why? In my heart of heart. I love unions. Okay. I love unionization. I think it's like um, brought everyone up mm-hmm. um, to a better level. But <laughs> working in the union environment was uh, so painful. Really? Yeah. Like the graphics team there at the time. I didn't like, realize they were unionized. The star is very unionized. Wow. Yeah. Like the, the ethos of that paper is hmm. unionization. And so, you know, the post had their graphics team, the star had their graphics team, and their graphics team had, like, four times the people on oh, really? it, but did, like, one quarter of the work. <laughs> like, I was talked to at some point because I was doing too much. Really? I was told by another graphics guy there, like... <laughs> Making hey, us look uh, bad, don't do this? Hey, yeah, you're, you're grabbing a lot of assignments and stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I finish an assignment, and then I go get another assignment. Yeah. It's like, maybe you want to um, just take it a little bit easy there. <laughs> kind of making the rest of us look bad. Ha, ha, ha. Like... <laughs> This is the guy who went for like four massages a week and had a TV at his desk. I'm just like, oh, Christ. (laughs) Oh, I see a little guy up there. Yep. We have a guest. (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) So what, um, how did you meet Matt Fraction or how did that relationship start? Because as you said, he's your your comic book husband. Yeah, yeah. So 
I guess around the time when I started kind of doing illustrations and newspaper stuff, um, the Warren Ellis Forum mm-hmm. was kind of a thing that came into being online. Mm. Um, and this was kind of like the first spot on the internet where comic creators could like kind of hang out yeah. uh, with readers. Mm-hmm. And so Matt was a reader mm-hmm. who wanted to be a creator, and so was I. And so yeah. we're like Kelly Sue DeConnick and Kieran Gillen and Jamie mm-hmm. McKelvey and, oh, yeah. you know, Andy Curry and a like, whole generation of, of writers and artists. Yeah, Sam Humphreys. Like, it was oh, yeah. bonkers how many people in, in comics right now yeah. um, were just like part of that crew. Part of that crew, just like posting. Yeah. And, you know, it became evident pretty quickly who the people were there that were interesting, funny, mm-hmm. um, that could probably write comics one day. Yeah. Matt was definitely one of them. And, you know, he was kind of pitching and, like, you know, he had kind of independent stuff coming out. And, uh, and yeah, and, like, I, I think both our sense of humor really clicked yeah. with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely comes off that way when you read Sex Criminals. Yeah, yeah, definitely totally. It feels like a... a, a like, it doesn't ever feel like it's just one person. Like, because there's so much in the art and so much in the story at the same time. Like, it's just yeah. like a really great melding of, of the two. Yeah, I don't think that book would exist without, you know, either one of us involved, mm-hmm. or it wouldn't have done well. Um, yeah, and so, you know, we struck up a friendship over years mm-hmm. doing this, and then um, we end up doing, we listen to the same radio show called The Best Show. Okay. Um, put out by WFMU, which is a public uh, radio station yeah. in Jersey. And they uh, had a pledge drive, and Matt and I volunteered ourselves to uh, help mm-hmm. by doing a music video for the local band, uh, oh, really? uh, F'd Up. I'm going to say F'd Up because there's a yeah. child in the room now. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yep. Yeah. And now, now we're a censored podcast. Yeah, now we're a censored podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, and he's handing me a Knuckles group book. Hello, thank you. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break because <laughs> uh, my son has uh, decided to join us. I like it. And we're back. <laughs> In- interlude over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... I think I was saying, uh, yeah, so Matt and I did the video for uh, the best show mm-hmm. for the band Fucked Up, which I can say now. You can now say that, yes. Yeah. There's um, no longer child present. Yeah, so he, he wrote the script for it, and I did um, uh, all the key illustrations, and then we uh, had another guy kind of animate and move them with okay. my backgrounds. And uh, What was that like? Uh, fun, weird. Yeah. Um, it's always weird seeing somebody use your artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving it around <laughs> which I wasn't used to no but it was good yeah I mean Matt's script was great funny interesting mm-hmm. and um, you know I knew we would work well together and I think he knew that too yeah and uh, and yeah and then strangely I was covering I was out of town covering the Trudeau boxing match in yeah. Brazil mm-hmm. and during that, I was kind of like jazz because like it was the first time the post actually sent me somewhere to cover a thing. Mm-hmm. So, like actually paid for me <laughs> uh, to to go somewhere, and uh, I was kind of jazz and high on that. And I think I emailed Matt while I was on the trip to say we should do something together, like, mm-hmm. just a comic, something dumb, like doesn't yeah. matter what. 
I think I, I gave him a dumb idea, and then he wrote back with the idea, the basic idea for sex criminals. Wow. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that sounds so stupid. I love it. But also super high concept at the same time. Like, Yeah, it was just like, it was such a... The further along the, the series goes, the, you know, the kind of the more high concept it becomes. Yeah, like the, the initial, like, uh, email and description was basically... <laughs> We should do a comic about a couple when they have sex. They stop time and rob banks. Like, <laughs> like I think only Matt or myself, or, you know, the two people alive that would take that seriously and go, oh, yeah. "Yeah, let's do that. That makes sense. That's a good idea. That's a comic." <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole—I remember the train trip coming back from Ottawa. Um, it was just emails back and forth where we start describing characters and. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects of time stopping what that means like in terms of representing it visually mm-hmm. and yeah it was just like spitballing just back and forth and we, we kind of knew at that moment we had something that would be relevant to us yeah but would reach no one else <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of, we just kind of went with it like Matt pitched it to Eric and Image because they've mm-hmm. been after him for a while yeah and uh, Eric said yes which is crazy for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know how much faith he had in the uh, the idea at that point, but I think he had faith in Matt. Yeah, I was the unknown quantity. Mm. Like I don't know what Eric thought of me at the at the time. Probably just I don't know, one of Matt's friends. <laughs> Get a few wishes. Well, we want Matt, so we'll we'll take a shot. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's <laughs> that was the beginning of it. Wow. Yeah, it was a thing that we thought would last three issues. And be cancelled. And now it's what, issue 19, issue 19 came out as we speak? Out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, who well, who came up with more of the, the kind of the fun character names? Because obviously they all have, uh, you know, a connection to the theme of the title. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to... Uh, it's actually... It's such a blur right now. Like, I knew, like, Kegel face. Mm-hmm. That was... I said I want to have, like, a bad guy... Who was like Eon Flux? Okay, remember that? Like, yeah, yeah. kind of like spindly woman in leather. Like, Absolutely, but that instead of black leather, be like white. Okay, um, that makes total sense when you describe it. Yeah, and I, I have to go back through the emails. I've kept them all, but like I, I can't recall which one of us. That must be an insane email string. Oh, it's just nuts. <laughs> like I think one of us had the name Giggle Face, and the other one of us had. Like what that means. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Like the first issue was a lot of back and forth between us. Like late night phone calls mm-hmm. after you know Matt's kids were in bed. Yeah. So it'd be midnight here, and wow, I'd just be like hanging at my studio, just like talking about sex with Matt on the phone. <laughs> and we we did a fair amount of that just to kind of like break it down, flesh out the story, and what the world was, and mm-hmm. uh, and. It was kind of at that point we realized that, oh, this is not going to be like the dick joke book we thought it was going to be. Like, no. Because we started to create characters that we we actually cared for. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but we already solicited the first issue was just being a dick joke book. <laughs> like, that's the funny thing. Like, you know, we were turning off all of our potential readers with our solicitation copy. Yeah. Because it was just like... It's like, hey, it's Matt and this guy Chip, and we're just like a bunch of fart smiths who are just dick joking around, and here's our <laughs> book. Like, it's just like, it was nonsense. We turned off enough people with the title, and then we turned off more people with the uh, the promotion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a mature reader book, so I mean, that 
kind of segmented a little further. Yeah, we're already cutting out a huge part. And so the people that we would want to read the book, who would be interested in the kind of the relationship stuff, um, they would never pick up the book based on how we were promoting it. Mm. So as it was about to come out, we were both like, we're pretty sure we were done. <laughs> like, <laughs> so what happened? How do, like, how do you account for... I think besides it being an amazing book because I mean it is very entertaining and well done a lot of it is timing like I know Matt was like was kind of on his way out of Marvel at that period like Fantastic Four was done Mm. he had the thing with the Inhumans and then he ended up doing Hawkeye yeah which you know under any other kind of writer or other circumstances with another artist would have been his like Bad exit book. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like that. the, the seed lister Hawkeye. Yeah. No offense to Hawkeye fans. No, no, I'm and, one of them. So yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't have worked. It should no. not have worked. And then it became like Marvel surprise hit. Mm-hmm. And so that created kind of I think like a renewed buzz around Matt. So people were interested in what he was going to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a flashy title. I mean, Sex Criminals. Like it. Yeah. It definitely grabs your attention. Maybe not at first, maybe the, the way yeah. you want, but it definitely grabs you in a way that a lot of other books don't. For sure, and like we, you know, we 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 promote it pretty hard at the beginning as well. Like in town here for the launch, we flew Matt in. Oh wow! And we uh, rented out the uh, the sex club, Wicked on okay. Grand Street. Yeah, and basically just filled the three floors with like everyone I knew. I just 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 packed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Matt got his nipples pierced on stage while I read like erotic poetry and dresses Garfield. My parents were there. The uh, the publisher of the National Post was there. Like it was just like wow, it was a night because it was like it was my only shot. Hmm. I was never going to have another book. Like this was it. Like yeah. I have an image book now. This is crazy. And yeah, yeah. we pushed number one really hard and um, sold out right away. And like we kind of realized it that, that morning. Yeah, we were driving to a comic store to do a, a, a signing before the evening's festivities, and I pulled up my phone while I was in the car, and I could see, like, just searching the term, mm-hmm. like, just like every like minute there was like something new. Wow, there was another person talking about it, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, sellouts and stuff, and like I think we got the email while we were in the car that it had sold out yeah. at the distributor level. Wow, and so I was just like, holy, this is going to be a thing. It might not last. You know, <laughs> but it's issue happening. one's an issue one, but yeah, um, yeah, that was a moment where I was like, okay, this this might actually have some sort of legs to it, and then uh, it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Like we just got really good press, and we were banned by Apple, which gave us yeah good press. I remember that. And then um, by the end of the year, maybe five six months later, not even four months, we were Time Magazine's Book of the Year, which. Amazing. It's just ludicrous. Like, considering, like, <laughs> it's very, like... How it know. started? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that one email, like, this this, this, could ha- this could be a thing. It's absolutely bonkers. I think the time thing... At first I thought it was a joke, because, like, I just, like... The list was put out, and I just took a look just as a reader, and then I yeah. saw, like... Not only they were on it, we were at number one, and I called Matt, and he picked up the phone... And he just started laughing, and then I started laughing. And we're just like, our fucking dick book is the Time Magazine Book of the Year. That's insane. Like it was such a joke to us. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, then 
do you feel more pressure because of that or like oh yeah yeah like yeah, how, like, like how do you how do you work under those kind of like when when you think it's not gonna like when you're just kind of doing it because it's you and Matt having a good time mm-hmm. and then as you said like you're promoting the first issue and you're like oh man like maybe maybe this won't work and then suddenly it's this big thing and now it's you know the book of the year yeah. how do you compartmentalize that when you're working on the book well there's a couple couple things one um, you always have to remember that it's for each other mm-hmm. like Matt writes for me yeah. and I draw it for Matt yeah. Um, we like to surprise each other with our jokes and where the story's going and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we've always tried to maintain that. Where that, I think, didn't quite solve that kind of anxiety was going from issue five to issue six. Issue five was like the end of the arc, mm-hmm. and then it took Matt, like, I think two months to write the script for issue six because yeah. the pressure was on then. Mm-hmm. Like, Volume one was coming out, and it was selling out too. And it hit number one in the New York Times chart, which also was a phone call between Matt and I where we laughed because <laughs> the number one New York Times dick joke book. Um, There's a lot of mature content kind of coming out that's doing really well for Image. I mean, obviously Saga is a big one. Yeah, it's very yeah. mature on its own. Yeah, Saga, Saga helped tons because it obviously came up before us mm-hmm. and kind of proved that you could do it and find an audience that I mean, it's not as aggressively you know R-rated but but even but even still like I mean I, I think it, it it is like <laughs> they have some graphic depictions of this is true monster genitalia in that book yes, but it's also fun yes and I think that's the key when people think mature when people think mature content in graphic novels they go one of two directions they think mm-hmm. Oh, it's mature, like it's mouse, mm. you know? Yeah. Or like some other kind of like. Really heady stuff. Like yeah, some kind of more. Uh, darker ter- themes, like a little bit yeah. more serious. Or it's porno. Yeah. It's just like weird smut that you've smuggled in. Like, yep. Um, but there's the middle ground where it's like, oh, people have sex, people know about sex. Mm-hmm. You know, let's have our fun space book that yep. also involves actual sexuality. Yeah. Or in, in our case, let's have our. You know our fun dick joke book, yep. But not have it be porno. No. So yeah, but yeah, I think I think the, the the jump between five and six was the hard one because um, the pressure was on. Mm-hmm. We didn't have quite the outline at that point of okay. where to where to go with it because mm-hmm. we thought it would be canceled. Yeah. Um, and so that's why issue six. I think when Matt sent me the script for issue six, I was like, oh, we're done. Like he sent it in, I'm like, this is a great script. Yeah. But it's all about the one of the main characters' depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> this is not the fun romp that no. you know one through five mm-hmm. basically were. And I was worried. And then issue six came out, and people were like, this is revelatory. Like, yeah. you know, they managed to turn this like dick joke book into something more. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> you know, both Matt and I had the same thing every almost every issue. We're just like. A panic attack every time, like yeah, not a panic attack, but basically just like you know, usually a text like this is the issue where the wheels come off. <laughs> this is the issue where people are like, nope, we got yeah, enough yeah. of this. But seems to not have happened yet. No, no, like you know, there's the the attrition of readers that happens with every book, but um, so with independent books, usually it's kind of the reverse. Like they kind of builds up more that 
Um, maybe yeah. it's just because you know when you have properties like Spider Man, for example, like there's kind of a built-in audience that's there for the first issue, and then they kind of disappear, right? <coughs> yeah, people people drop off instead of dropping in. Yeah, whereas um, when you're creating something on creator-owned, it seems like you usually more likely will trend up. Yeah, well, it trends up for sure in the uh, the trades. Yeah, like that's that's the big thing. Like at this point with Sex Criminals, the individual issues could go down to a hundred copies, and mm-hmm. I'm fine. Yeah, because the people who buy the trades goes up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's where the bulk of our income comes from, mm. which is yeah something that the other companies are probably take a look at yeah. in terms of like how they're marketing their trades and how they're collecting for, things for sure. Now, what was it like, kind of coming back? I mean, obviously, there's a big hiatus between 15 and 16 too. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? I think it was like almost a year, or like nine months. It or was something. like uh, eight months, maybe. So, what was like? What was like, kind of coming back to the world, and what kind of led to the hiatus? Obviously, you were starting to get a lot more projects where you're writing. As yeah, that didn't really factor into it. Oh the, no. Uh, the big thing is, so Sex Criminals is a bi-monthly book. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes me seven weeks to illustrate an issue. Yeah. Um, and I knew from the outset that it would have to be over two months, but. Uh, image was like, well, people don't buy buy monthly books; they buy mm. monthly books. Yeah, and you can take a break, okay, and then come back and take a break, and kind of like back. a TV show type of thing, like yeah, and, and get some, enough done, and then you know come out with the arc, and then you know keep yeah. working on it. I think Saga was the first kind of book there to do that, uh, probably against their wishes at the time too, because they were probably mm-hmm. like, you can't take a break; it'll yeah. die. But mm. it did because it's Saga, um, and so we took a break to kind of bank the issues, but. Uh, it just means you spend more time on it. Mm-hmm. Like issue sixteen took a lot longer. Yeah, there are like ten versions of issue sixteen. Oh really? Like you know, usually when you're doing like your drafts, going back over an issue before you send it to the print, the uh, the printer, you know, will have two maybe three versions of it. But okay. you know, issue sixteen there's like ten versions because we could go back and change things and add stuff. And yeah, like, you know, rethink dialogue and scenes. Um, was having more time a good thing or a bad thing? Then? Like, well, I think it's a bad thing. I mean, yeah. it's bad for morale, too, because you, mm. you just don't have anything on the stands, and you're just worried that everyone's going to forget about you when yeah. you come back. Um, but then you can always say, but we're Time's Book of the Year. Come on. God, that only lasts for so long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I hated that time off. Like, I just, I actually hated it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it helped us in, on, on any level. Um I think the issues that are coming out are are good, as good as it's ever been, but um, I think time away is not the smartest thing to do. If, if it was a matter of like taking a month off between arcs, that's fine, yeah. but we're just not that book, so it's, it's going to take too long to bank mm-hmm. them, and, uh, and it gives too many um, opportunities to not hit deadlines mm. for both Matt and myself. Now, you said earlier that you, you don't find yourself a good drawer. So it's interesting that you know you you make a name for yourself in the industry as you know as a penciler working on this book. Yeah. So how do you go from I'm not a good drawer to I'm, I'm not a good writer? <laughs> no, I'm going to stick with art first, but but then like then you're illustrating this book. So like how did you I guess get the confidence to do it? And how do you think you've grown? And and what do, what would you say about your style? Like what is your style? Um, I don't know what my style is. My style is getting it done. Okay. Um, I think a lot of that That's John Reader Jr. style, too. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it developed while I was at the newspaper because it was a daily deadline. Mm. Like, I'd usually get an assignment at, like, 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Oh, wow. I'd have to have it done by 6 in the okay. afternoon. So, there's not a lot from the paper that I'm proud of artistically. Mm. Um, so, I obviously had more time on this. 
but I think that accounts for the style and I'm a control guy too so sex criminals you know I pencil it I ink it I color it I letter it design it yeah and add jokes so <laughs> lots of jokes yeah and it's it's all kind of previous disciplines and jobs culminating in comics mm. because you know I mentioned earlier I did background animation yeah um, so kind of uh, I, I learned how to basically paint digitally on that job um I learned how to, to design and do technical stuff through the post. Mm. Um, life drawing, portraiture, mm-hmm. uh, all these kind of like gigs and things that I yeah. did as an artist end up going into comics. Like in comics, you have to be able to draw a human figure, mm-hmm. vehicles, Buildings, architecture. Stuff, yeah. You have to be able to design those things. You need to design mm-hmm. fashion. Yeah. You need to have like a cinematographer's eye. Um, to do kind of storytelling and layout. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into comics. I think it's the hardest art job there is. Yeah, well, I mean, plus you're, you're coloring it too. Like, if you're doing everything, mm-hmm. like, you're, you're not just doing one piece of that puzzle. Yeah. Uh, you're doing everything. I mean, that's just adding more to your plate. But if you're a control freak and kind of want <laughs> Not control freak, sorry, but if you're just... No, but it's, it's, You like the aspect of control over your art, that it's going to be your vision and not what someone else kind of views it. You know, like they're not yeah. going to color it a slightly different way than you would have. It's your palette. It's what yeah. you like. Yeah, and we, you know, there's the assembly line nature of comics that stems from its history, mm. um, and also like the monthly routine of it. Yeah, and yeah, I can't quite succumb to that. <laughs> I wish I could. Like you know, I kind of I learned to a bit doing Howard, mm. um, because there were a lot of people kind of working on that book. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of let go and go. Okay, all right, I'm not the artist on this. Like someone else is doing yeah. it. And, was that an adjustment period for you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Issue one of Howard was really hard for me. How did you get the gig? <laughs> yeah, um, like, who, who calls you up and, like, or, like, did you pitch to them? Like, you know, how did... Because, again, you break in as an artist, so yeah. how do you make... You make the transition pretty quickly to writing, which for some artists takes forever, uh, or, never, or never really happens. So, yeah. I mean, you make the jump pretty quick. Yeah, so the... There's an editor at Marvel, Will Moss, mm. and he knew my work before Sex Criminals. Okay. Um... I met him at San Diego, probably 2001. Oh, wow. In which um, I gave him, or he bought, a copy of Monster Cops, which is my kind of all-ages book yeah. I had out at the time. And uh, and he liked it, and he remembered it. And so when he saw that Sex Criminals had taken off, mm-hmm. um, he knew I was a writer, because I'd written for the newspaper for years. Yeah. And he remembers my writing on Monster Cops. And Will's a guy who, you know... He does a lot of great books at Marvel, but he also does um, kind of anthology-style titles, and one of them was for the Original Sins event. Yeah. Um, in which he had some leeway, and he could bring in kind of new people. Yeah. And he, he gave me two pages. He's like, here's two pages. Here's kind of a basic idea of what we want. Yeah. Um, you want to do it? I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Like, this yeah. will be my this will be my first and only Marvel thing I'll ever do. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go all. Every time all it in. seems like you're very like, um, this is gonna be the one thing. It's not gonna, kinda, it's not gonna catch fire. I feel like it kind of has to be. I think if I hit a point mm. in my life where I'm just like too comfortable, mm. then maybe the work won't be as interesting. Fair enough. Like I put everything I had into those two pages. Like it was like just tons of guys. Which two pages was that? Now I can't remember it. It was um. So it was um, basically Nick Fury, uh, 
interrogating all these Marvel heroes and villains about their darkest secrets. Okay. And I forget how I made it tie into the what was whole going thing. on because all the secrets were revealed or whatever. And yeah. Wanted to get to the, the heart of it, and so it was basically just a big grid of all the characters yeah. revealing their. What was like? Like Magneto does a control metal. He talks to it like Aquaman <laughs> does to fish. <laughs> tells it what to do. I think Squirrel Girls was just like she actually hates squirrels. Like I don't know. It was like, yeah. <laughs> It was two pages of gags. Yeah. That I got to write, draw, color. Wow. Uh, letter. Yeah. Like, I just did... We did everything. Like, I did literally everything. Yeah, like, I want to control over it. If it was going to be my only thing. If I'm an editor, I think that's kind of the dream there. I got two pages to fill, and I got one guy's going to do it all. So it's, it's back to the newspaper thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I pitch my stuff to the post. I'm like, you don't have to worry about getting art or photos yeah. for this. I'll do it all. I'm going to do it all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot easier. I'm a renaissance man. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. And so I did those two pages and I was super happy with them and like he was happy with them and that was it. And then the Guardians movie came out and I got an email from him basically saying, Hey, do you see Guardians on the weekend? I'm like, Yeah, I saw it. He's like, See Howard the Duck at the end? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, I think that means we could pitch a Howard the Duck book. Oh, really? So it's, it's like, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know you liked Howard the Duck or like? Well, we, we start talking about it, and like, okay. I told like I used to read it all the time as a kid. Yeah, and, uh, the original Gerber stuff. Yeah, yeah, Gerber and yeah. the magazine stuff too. Mm. And um, and so and so we we're just like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And so <laughs> I wrote up my pitch, and Will helped me with it. And he's an amazing editor; like he's got a yeah. great story sense, and um, worked on it together, pitched it up to Axel. Um, went through some revisions, got approved, oh. but it was, it was weird because like at every point, like nobody actually said you got the job. Okay, like it's just like okay, well no, that's good. How about we do this? Okay, how about this? Okay, well when you start writing up, how about this? What do you think about this artist? Okay, yeah, you'd be good. Like, <laughs> but like at no point, it's like and, you got the job. Yeah, until it was like actually announced. We're yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, we've got a cover and I've written a script. Oh wow, and like it's being announced. I guess I have a job now. Yeah, I guess this <laughs> is my thing. We had a question from a listener about that. Um, yeah. Was that your run in Howard the Duck had a lot of humor, and, but also had a deep undercurrent of sadness. Uh, <laughs> Howard is often a very unhappy character. Was yeah. it difficult to strike a balance between those aspects, or are they more closely connected than initial impressions may indicate? Yeah, yeah. Sadness and humor kind of yeah. go hand in hand. Like, God, like anything I've done in the past like relies heavily on yeah. um, sadness and tragedy. <laughs> uh, I made Howard sadder than angrier because mm. um, he did seem more wistful yeah than, than his more recent versions had been but yeah and part of it is because like you don't want to I didn't want it to be a clone of Gerber's mm. Howard which I guess is a lot of the I guess that's the uh, what's the word temptation of using a character like Howard where it's so tied to that original incarnation yeah that how do you do him with doing justice, but not just doing a clone? Yeah, you don't want you don't want to try and replicate it because you'll fail. That's mm-hmm. that's the big one. Um, times change, the sense of humor has changed. Like there's a lot of satire in the original that um, is fantastic and was fantastic, but um, may not work as well now. So you have to find like subtler ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think I find it easier to tap into. Sadness is an emotion than anger. Mm. Like Howard is still kind of angry of mine, but like I'd rather him be kind of wistful and and, and sad. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, but the next person who takes it over could have a completely, completely different, different version. Absolutely. Which is kind of great. Like, I like that idea. It's kind of freeing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because a character like Howard, I mean, for better or for worse, isn't as tied into what the last guy did. Yeah. Like, as opposed to a character like Spider-Man, where it's, you know, you're going to have people who are going to be like, well, the continuity doesn't work. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, You know, like, they're going to be continuity cops, you know, kind of coming after you, whereas a character with Howard... You can kind of play there, with it. There were a few like old school fans yeah. that like would probably take issue, mm. um, and you know, and some rightly so would think you know, well, there shouldn't be a Howard series mm. um, if it's not Gerber. Like the yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Gerber Gerber passed away years ago, mm. and before then, you know, he came to a settlement with Marvel or the the character. Um, yeah, if, if Gerber was alive, I would have done that. There's no way. Yeah. Like, it's just too tied. Um, what if you got permission? What if uh, uh, there's no way I get permission? No, but well, I mean, it's, uh, you know. I, I say that, but maybe, maybe I would. Like, I don't know. I don't know how how he felt about it towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I don't believe in ghosts, so I don't feel like I'm going to get haunted, which is <laughs> Fair nice. Enough. But yeah, so the yeah, he's a very specific character that is so tied to his creator. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like characters like Captain America or Spider-Man or whatever like have gone through so many changes and variations and mm-hmm. so many people have like laid hands on the character that yeah. there is there is a barely a resemblance to the original mm-hmm. at this point whereas yeah so with Howard also the fact that we changed the design of it made it feel different yeah like I do not view it as Steve Gerber's Howard the Duck at okay. all now like it's just like no so when you were writing it like you saw the new new Howard not the old Howard yeah, I mean, I would have weird rules to kind of respect the old Howard. Okay. Like, I knew Steve Gerber hated Duck World. Okay. That wasn't his creation. Yeah. That was the guy after him. I think it was Bill Mantlo. Yeah. And Gerber always thought of where Howard came from as being an unseen, unspoken of kind of anthropomorphic world. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Disney characters who just have mundane lives. Yeah. Which I love that idea. It's so much better than Duck World. The idea yeah. of Duck World just like drives me nuts now. <laughs> as a kid watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, Duck World. But now as an adult, like kind of reading up on Gerber, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah no, he's right. That fucking sucks. Yeah, it would suck to like <laughs> to like try to keep this mystery, and all of a sudden, it's like the next writer's like Duck World. Yeah, I can so, understand why, but yeah. So in my run, I never mention Duck World. Okay. I, yeah. I talk about him wanting to go home, but mm-hmm. I never refer so, to it as a, a world of ducks. <laughs> What a weird job, man. Um, when, when when Howard got the redesign, like, were you involved in that process at all? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, it was very humbling. Um, when I was hired, again, I'm the guy that wanted to do it all. Like, I designed the logo of it and stuff. And before Joe was brought on board as an artist, Will said, "You know, do you want to uh, redesign them? Because mm-hmm. I think a redesign would probably help." Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I got some ideas. And I did these sketches and stuff, send them in. Like, oh yeah, these are good. And then Joe came on board, and I guess he said the same to Joe, do you want yeah. to give it a shot? And Joe's work is so much better than mine <laughs> on every level. <laughs> like, like I'm not, a, I don't have an ego, really. Like, I don't, because he's not one that I'm aware of. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but my ego took a blow that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I'm not that good at all. And, um, which is great. Like in the end, of it, it's like, oh no, thank God, there's a real yeah, artist yeah. here to do this because, like, because I I'm way out of my depth now, and I realize that um, we're going to in the final issue of Howard. I think Joe was going to run like his original sketches of Howard in it, and 
uh, Will and Joe thought it'd be really fun to put mine in there as well and like some notes for me about how bad mine were and uh, I couldn't bring myself to do it like I will like I will like show my dick online I will like I will embarrass myself all over the place on the internet but for some reason I was just like oh no couldn't do it I don't know I recognize that I'm not that good at this but I don't need everyone to see it (laughs) that's too funny Uh, yeah sad real sad when uh one of the gags I really liked in the Howard, which I don't even know if it was necessarily from you, um, which was right after, I guess you ended the, the first volume mm-hmm. and there is a, I think a one page at the end about how, you know, there was no new issue. It's like, well, thanks Hickman or something. Oh yeah. And that, that just, I just, I, I lost yeah. it. I thought it was just so funny. And then when it came back and like the Howard's back with a new hat or something, I don't know. Well, yeah. Cause they were like, <laughs> like, all right, here's the deal. Secret Wars. Like, I found out about Secret Wars at the same time all the readers did, really. Okay. Like, <laughs> I was not in the loop. <laughs> I think Ryan North told me over lunch. And, um, and yeah, they're like, all right, we need, you know, this is going to be a thing where it's going to be, like, nine months later when we come back. So the promo, promo has to be, like, about something different, something mm. new. I was like, oh, fuck it. Well, I'll just give him a new hat. Let's just make it that. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's drawing made me laugh so much. All these like hats, like just kind of strewn about. Question marks. What will it be? <laughs> Joe, Joe had to like change all the drawings too because he made them all real copyrighted hats. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> that that is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things you have to do, right? When you're working yeah. for a publisher like Marvel, you gotta work within their uh, their confines when things happen and. It's a funny way to do it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to acquiesce. Let's, let's do it in a funny way. Yeah, you know, the, like the good part about, especially working for Will Moss, was that um, he gave us the option okay. to be a part of Secret Wars, myself mm-hmm. and Ryan North on Squirrel Girl. Oh yeah. He's like, if you want to be, that might be nice. Yeah. Maybe a sales bump here or there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or we just pretend like nothing's happened and we just pick up. Yeah. You know, what would you have done in a Secret Wars book, like if you had? And why didn't you, I guess? Well, I had no interest. Okay, well, that's um, a big reason then. <laughs> Not even just to take some ideas and throw them around and see what stuck. I mean, it was... I guess the, the problem is, like, I'd worked hard to make Howard the Duck the kind of book that you don't need to read other things. Okay. Like... He's as lost as the reader in some ways. Like when all these new Marvel characters show up, he's like, "Wow, what's this? What's that? Why? Why is this character like this now?" Yeah. Because um, you have to play with the, the continuity, but I, I, I feel you can pick it up um, with a passing understanding of Marvel stuff, mm. and you can read it from beginning to end, no problem. Yep, and I would say that you're absolutely correct. Anything that needs explaining, like the Skrull Kill Crew or whatever, like I will explain it to you. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, Secret Wars is just not that. Okay. Like, if we had, like, the run where it's, like, the first five issues, you know, that's a nice little story, and then all of a sudden, like, two or three issues of, like, just banana Secret Wars stuff, and then back to it. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that. Um, Avengers is that. X-Men is that. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man, to a certain degree, is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Not Howard. Not Howard. And especially not Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl is mm-hmm. so separate from everything. For sure. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Ryan, Ryan doesn't want to be part of those. No. Um, around this time, I want to ask, like, so when you're doing sex criminals, you're also starting to do a lot of variant covers for books, and you're writing everything. Like, mm-hmm. how do you how do you handle all these different kind of spinning plates? That is a lot 
that yeah. anyone's going to play. It's not that hard. Like, the big thing is, writing is easier than illustrating. So it takes, again, seven weeks to do an issue of Sex Criminals. And that's my day job. That's the mm-hmm. thing I do kind of nine to five. Okay. Writing I can do in the evenings. Okay. Writing I can do in the morning over coffee mm-hmm. uh, and on weekends. Um, my favorite thing is flights. Okay. If I'm on a flight, I can get through like half an issue to a full issue on a, on a nice you know, cross-country flight. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you just have nothing but just the script to focus on. Technically, like a script takes me... I'm going to say four days. Okay. Of straight, diligent work. Mm-hmm. So, there was a point where I was, like, writing, like, three or four books, and that's not good. Well, what's it like to kind of shift between them? I mean, because that's, that's the bigger question, I guess, is that once you start doing different books and different sensibilities on those books, how do you, <clears throat> yeah. how do you manage that? Because that's a little bit more of a tightrope. Um, it's pretty easy. Yeah? Like, first of all, it's nice to take a break from drawing to write mm-hmm. like it's like it's always good to have more than one thing on the go so mm-hmm. you can um, uh, not worry and focus on one thing and switch over to something else different instead yeah. of like switching to YouTube or playing video games or whatever like yeah, yeah. Um, my break from writing is drawing my break from drawing is writing okay that means you're remarkably productive <laughs> yeah like I, I had to eliminate video games yeah <laughs> like they're just not in my life now mm. um and, and some books are super easy to write because the voices are in your, are in your head. Like Jughead mm-hmm. was very easy to write yeah. because I knew those characters. Mm-hmm. Like if I saw, if I told you to sit down and start writing like Jughead and Veronica, mm-hmm. a scene between them, some dialogue, like you could do it and be instantly recognizable as those two characters mm-hmm. because they are archetypes unto yep. themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard was kind of similar like once I kind of got the feel for things like there's so much to play with like it became it became quite easy to like Mm. create scenarios because like oh let's just bring Silver Surfer in okay oh Galactus of course (laughs) we have the Guardians great we'll use them like you just yeah it becomes a lot easier books that don't have that kind of built in thing that's a little trickier like Mm -hmm. Captara yeah it would take longer to write because you're kind of creating the world as you go Mm -hmm. it's freeing in a lot of ways but also it's like well I really have to stop and think about building this character from the Mm -hmm. ground up instead of like inheriting a character and true you know what do you add to it um so yeah yeah I, I, I found I find the corporate stuff relatively easy okay yeah, makes sense the way you describe it. Yeah, because these characters, especially when you're working with characters like Jughead or you know characters who have existed, and they have a voice. Yeah. So it's not you just have to figure out how you kind of work yourself into the voice, as opposed to as you said, world building on something like Captara, where it's mm-hmm. completely you. Yeah, uh, there's nothing for you to fall back on, and it you know as a writer you have to you have to give the reader everything or as much to go on as possible because there, there's no existing framework for you to kind of draw upon. Yeah, yeah, and like. And you have to earn emotion more in mm. a creator-owned book than in a, a, say, a Marvel book. Yeah. And I've used this example before. It's probably not the best example on a Spider-Man podcast, but um, if I had a creator-owned book and I had an old lady get hit by a bus, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean a lot unless mm-hmm. I've really worked on building her up. If yeah. I have Aunt May get hit by a bus, <laughs> that means something. That's yeah. a story, like on Bleeding Cool. Yeah, yeah. 
So you're saying this is a spoiler for issue two, right? Yeah. <laughs> issue one, right? Rather than the, the gate? Okay. First page. Okay. Peter, why weren't you there to save me? <laughs> but she, like, you're so saying her ghost is there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's like, so continuity works kind of both ways. Continuity mm-hmm. can, like, can, um, can aid you in, um, with built-in emotional resonance mm. with the characters. Um, it can hurt you yeah. in terms of everything's happened to these characters, so mm-hmm. it doesn't mean as much. Okay. You know? Like, when you think of all the Spider-Man cast and everything they've been through, mm-hmm. like, they should all be in psych wards yeah. at this point. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, it's just nuts. Like, Except for maybe Randy Robertson. I don't Except think he's me. had a lot going on. No, that's true. <laughs> Although his dad has had a lot of stuff, so maybe yeah. in connection with that. So yeah. maybe yeah. something like if his dad did go to prison and yeah. was on the run. So yeah, yeah. terrorized by Tombstone. Like oh yeah. my god! Like if I that guess. happened to my dad, like I don't know how I would like go through the day. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> lowest level bad thing that could happen in the Spider-Man universe, and it's still devastating. Yeah. Um, so that's hard. Like the yeah. continuity kind of makes it hard to. Um, to get the reader to be like, oh, so this is happening with Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Well, a similar thing happened 33 years ago, so... Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's tricky. So a question about continuity for Howard. So you, you, brought, you got to use Leah Thompson yes. as a character. So yes. that's... I mean, what was that like doing that? And what was... Oh how did you pitch God. that? And was there a discussion about if that was even going to be something you could actually do? Or Well, okay, so this kind of goes back to my, my background at the National Post. So my thing there was... I love a good stunt. Okay. Like, like I mentioned before, running for mayor. Mm-hmm. I did that for like a couple of months. Yeah. And the post let me do it. Like, just the dumb stuff I put in the paper. Like, I, I'd be the guy they'd send to the air show to go up in the plane, or mm-hmm. I'd be the guy they send in a Spider-Man costume. Yeah. Nonetheless, to rappel down City Hall. Oh really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was that was my job. I wow. Loved, I love doing stuff like that. I love doing like weird little dumb stunts mm-hmm. and just like. Let's just do it. Yeah, just doing it. <laughs> um, and so I found, I actually found, like, after working in comics for about a year, kind of a depression setting in, and okay. I realized it's because my routine is so set. Mm. Like, I don't go and do anything anymore. Yeah. I, I wake up, I go to my studio, I yeah. sit down, I work, mm. clock out, go back into the house. Yeah. Like, it's just, that is not a good lifestyle. And... I miss the stunt nature of the old job um, and the excitement of the day-to-day. And so the Leah Thompson thing kind of came from that. I was just like... Because I was working on the storyline and, like, I was a fan of the old Howard the Duck movie when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And very specifically, I love Leah Thompson. Yeah. Like, Back to the Future, Mm -hmm. Howard the Duck, Carolyn (laughs) in the City. Like... Oh, yeah. I had a crush on her. I just thought she was amazing, a great actress, so... Um, yeah, I pitched the idea. I'm like, what if we have a whole thing where like we can somehow wrap up the Howard movie kind of mm-hmm. almost in continuity? Like, <laughs> and you know, I kind of built up towards it. And, like, you know, we had to get her permission mm-hmm. for likenesses, get her to sign a contract and stuff. And of course, so I was yeah. kind of like waiting on that. I was like pretty terrified. Were you surprised that she said yes? Um, I was greatly relieved. I didn't see a, a strong reason to say no. Mm. Um, Especially because you were being respectful. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think mean, that's a big thing, right? I mean, if you're using someone's likeness and you're not being disrespectful, then why would you say no? I guess. Yeah, yeah. And like, 
you know, um, she probably heard a lot of bad things about Howard over the years. So having someone kind of using it in a positive way again is not a, yeah. a bad thing either. Yeah, and like like our editor will like sent her a really a really nice note to convince her. I sent along a note as well mm-hmm. to convince her because once she signs off, like you know, she doesn't have final say over the comic itself. No, so she's she's putting a lot of trust into us for sure, and so. I think Joe even like sweetened the pot. He's like, you know, if you do this, I'll give you some original art from the book. Oh like, wow! I think that was mostly his way to meet her. <laughs> well, what was it like pop. writing a letter to Leah Thompson? Like, you know, she's going to get this. You're trying to convince her to let you, you know, use her in a book. It's she, you know, she was one of your crushes growing up. Like, how do you how do you navigate that? <laughs> because of again, because of the previous job, the newspaper. You know, I did a lot of kind of like stuff involving film festival and like mm. the, the arts and life section of the paper like interviewing interviewing people that are admired or who are celebrities so I, I kind of I don't get I don't get nervous around celebrity okay. like I don't have any kind of like oh my god this person's a celebrity like mm-hmm. I know that makes me sound like I'm trying to be cool but no no um, but I don't, I don't, I don't, something about me, I don't have that thing where most okay. people like might freeze mm-hmm. around, uh, around a, a movie star or something. So I froze around a TV actor who I pretty sure most people would, wouldn't even know him at all. And I saw him on a flight and I was like, I know it's him. I know who? it's him. I was too, uh, Joe DeNickel or something. He, he, he was on a show called, um, LA complex. That was like a okay. MTV or a much music show or something. And yeah. I watched it with my wife. We both liked it. And he's been on like Grey's Anatomy or something like okay. So he's been on some stuff and I'm like, I know it's him, but yeah. I was just too chicken to say anything. Part of me also being like, I don't want to bother the guy either. Yeah. yeah of course. Uh, of course. I'm, although I'm, I'm sure maybe he's not mobbed every day. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I saw, like I saw him and like, I had my son with me. I'm like, I want to say hi. I want to say something. I want to just, cause one thing I've learned about, you know, hearing people talk, uh, you know, celebrities. I, all I wanted to say was like, just I liked your work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and just yeah. to you know, be not like, oh, you're that guy, but be like, I just really liked your work. Just wanted to say that. Could not get myself to say it. It kills oh, really? me. Yeah. So you didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I was too chicken. It was horrible. You could probably just like email him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then I also this one a little funnier. Um, there was a show called Miss Secret Identity back oh, yeah. in the day. I remember that. So Dr. J. So I met Dr. J. Okay, cool. uh, Years ago, I was living in Peterborough, and he was, I guess he had retired from acting at the time, yeah. and he had like a farm or something, and he was just kind of in for like a movie festival on Earth Day. So he was there, and again, I was actually too chicken to say hi, but my girlfriend at the time was like, I'm going to go say hi to him. So I turn around, and she's like grabbing his hat and like playing with him, and, like, and I'm like, she's so outgoing, this is ridiculous, and yeah, she's yeah. like adorable, and I'm just like, I'm too chicken to say anything, and it was, she finally introduced me to him. And I was like, I'm a big fan. I saw you on like Cheers and on Doc yeah, and like all yeah. this stuff. And he was like, Well, thanks. You know, and so I got to have a bit of a chat with him. But I, I was too chicken to say anything on my own. The, the, yeah, the trick I always find is like you just got to imagine yourself in the situation mm-hmm. as the actor. And oh, that's sure. fine. Oh, I, I absolutely. Like, I, I have a thing now. Like when I'm I do, not scared about comic creators. Like although yeah. I, actually, I, I, that's almost incorrect because okay. every time I do a podcast interview, I find. I get I get a little bit nervous right before I you know call on yeah. Skype and then it goes away instantly. But yeah, it's yeah. still there that just for sense. a second. Um, you know, doing conventions now. Like after Sex Criminals came out, um, I was not used to uh, the kind of like the outpouring of fans at conventions. Yeah, and you'd have the thing like a lot of people would be like, "Oh, I'm really nervous to meet you," or like mm-hmm. they want to pose with with you for a photo. And yeah. as soon as there's contact, you can feel they're shaking. Like, oh they're no. Shaking. And the people that are nervous I always say to them, just like, 
Like, I'm the guy who spends his entire day alone. I'm the one who should be nervous. I'm more nervous than you are. Because really, like, you yeah. have more social interaction than I do. Mm. Like, it's feast or famine for a comic creator. You're either True. by yourself all day. Yeah. Or you're around thousands of people at a convention. True. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah, so back to, like, celebrity stuff. I have no, I have no, like, I was kind of, like, giddy. Yeah. emailing Leah Thompson because it's just funny like yeah. it's just such a did she write you back? no because I sent it through my editor oh okay um, like I never received any message from her but basically I just found out about the approval yeah um, uh, you know so I was super careful writing her like I don't want to make sure I didn't you know piss her off or anything and the same because later on I did a similar stunt with Prime Minister Trudeau yeah and I had to be super careful with that one mm-hmm. um but yeah, in, in the end, like, getting back into stunts. Yeah, no, oh yeah, that, that was, was like, that was a pretty big one. I mean, for yeah. Canadian audience, I mean, because maybe not oh, yeah. for people in the states, but that was like front page news in Canada. Like, it yeah. was everywhere. No, there was an editorial cartoon in Ottawa Citizen about it. Like, <laughs> like that's when I realized, like, wow, I've really made it. I was gonna say if, you, that would have been you at some point, kind of doing a cartoon about it, and now it's someone's you know doing a cartoon of something that you you're doing or you're I working know. on. I know it's, it's just <laughs> ludicrous. So. um Yes, the Leah Thompson thing. I, I've never talked to her, but I know Joe has. Yeah, it drives me nuts. Oh, really? Like <laughs> Joe, like met her at like I think it was Philadelphia Wizard World or something. Oh, really? So he could you know give her the artwork. Yeah. And, like you know, also there's all these photos of them hanging out together. <laughs> They're buddies on Instagram. Where oh, she, okay. She comments on his stuff. What? I'm just like, what the fuck? It was your idea. I don't. He did such a good job, though. Yeah, like, he did. If you want, you know, if you want somebody. To put, uh, to put uh, a celebrity into a Marvel comic, Joe Canonis is the guy. His yeah. likenesses are so great, but also loose. Like mm-hmm. it, he cartooned her. Yeah, you know he didn't like photo trace her. No, um, it was so effortless looking, and it was like her now. Like yeah. you know, there's 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 a thing like you ought to make her look like she looked in the '80s, or you maybe make her look too old. But like he just like found this like perfect. Yeah. Is it Leah Thompson now? It's easily recognizable. Like it's her. It's great. It's great. Like those those two issues where she appears were just so fun, so fun to write, so fun to see the art coming in. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just a dream. I think I think they're fun issues. I think they stand on their own too. Sure. So Justin and Trudeau. Even, even as a stunt, like sorry, but even like even though it was a stunt, it's still actually meant something in the story yes like it wasn't just like oh hey Leah Thompson showed up and then now we get back to our story no it actually had a lot of emotional resonance to it yeah yeah and and it was a plot point it kind of like it was the beginning of the end of the the run Mm -hmm. which you know the fact that that was integral to it I'm I'm really happy with that yeah we had Trudeau (laughs) we got Trudeau too so how how did that come about like how did that story kind of happen and because obviously it's, it's an Alpha Flight story Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how did that kind of pitch <laughs> happen, or you know, get it? Well, it's, what it's, came first, Trudeau or Alpha Flight? <laughs> well, uh, Will Moss again. Yeah. My savior editor. Um, he was like, "Hey, it's very similar to the original Sins thing, because it was a Civil War two anthology he was in charge of." He's like, "Look, I got eight pages. Alpha Flight. You're Canadian. You're Canadian. <laughs> Sounds like a win-win." And at first, I was like, "Oh man, I don't know." Like, yeah, you know. I, I I read the Alpha Flight books when I was younger, but I don't have like a particular fondness for them. Like mm-hmm. I'm not like let's bring Alpha Flight back. Yeah. 
Um, I feel like a lot of comic book fans who are Canadian are kind of like that, but we're, we're kind of like, well, they're our team, but like no one really reads them. Like, and I think sales, unfortunately, kind of support that. Like, yeah. they bring them out. There's always kind of a splash, and a couple issues do well, and then it just kind of ends up getting canceled every time. Yeah. That being yeah. said, the last ongoing Alpha Flight book by uh, I guess Pac and uh, oh. Evil Shan was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, but I don't even think the, it matters the quality. Like, it's, no, people always be like, oh, it's Alpha Flight. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love for there to be an Alpha Flight book that mm-hmm. kind of has legs. But uh, but yeah, so I wasn't super excited. But then I started to think about, well, what could I do? And you know, knowing Civil War Two was happening, I had to tie into that. I'm just like, oh my god, like this is like an international thing. I could get Trudeau in. <laughs> Stunt. Yeah, I love it. And uh, yeah, so I, I I wrote back Will. I'm like, hey, how about I put Prime Minister Trudeau in there? Yeah. And he was obviously all on board. Yeah. Uh, he, he just sorted out all the Leah Thompson stuff. Okay. Which is like, for an editor, it's a pain. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's legal issues and stuff. So let's get the leader of a country. Yeah, so I think... Because uh, <laughs> that'll be easier. I think he was like both like excited, but also just like, oh, God, this is going to be just a nightmare. <laughs> um, but I told him I'd, I'd handle it. Yeah. Because I have enough media contacts that I could try and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I see another guy poking his head over. <sighs> My son is a good guest star here. He just yeah, keeps showing yeah. up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was easy enough for me to kind of get a hold of his communications people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit trickier to get him an answer. Okay. Um, but in the end, they were just like, well, we can't we can't sign anything to say this is cool yeah because he's the leader of the country yeah it's a little uh, different there alright we're gonna take another break right, then. another break put some great commercials in the middle at least a musical interlude of some kind yeah there you go uh, so yeah so the Trudeau stuff um, they basically couldn't sign off on it but that they wouldn't do anything to stop it okay uh, which is just as good yeah yeah because like <laughs> once, once you're a public figure like that it's like alright you know yeah people are selling true and you weren't sets. really doing parody no no like, like, people are selling like sweaters with Trudeau's face on it and stuff like you can't yeah. really go after everyone no um so yeah, so it was like kind of an unofficial okay. Yeah, and that was good enough for Marvel Legal. Mm-hmm. It was good enough for me, and uh, and yeah, and so I got to write the Prime Minister boxing Tony Stark, which was <laughs> pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was so surreal to do it, and I found out later that like, you know, he, uh, um, you know, he read it and he, from what I understand, enjoys it, and like yeah. he's been signing copies of it. Where oh really? Now like people can pass him. <laughs> pass it to him that's kind of cool that's kind of cool and I you know I heard a story through a friend who kind of you know has dealings with him that um, he knows who I am yeah like on both levels he knows I'm Steve Murray and he knows I'm Chip Zdarsky oh really okay he remembers me from the National Post days okay and that you know it took a while to piece it together but he's the like, same okay, guy you're the same guy yeah yeah you're the guy who did those cartoons of me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I feel like you know, there's a bit of a legacy thing there too, because his dad was an Alpha Flight. 
Yeah. And that was on like every article. Well. It was like, you know, his dad showed up in our, in Alpha Flight and now his, his son's in Alpha Flight too. Yeah. And it was a tricky one though because it was like, you know, Civil War Two was like a divisive um, event mm. in terms of, you know, what side you should be on or something like that. So I had to make sure that I wasn't, uh, that I was trying to stay true to what his politics would be of the situation. Mm-hmm. That was, no, that was a tricky one. Yeah. Considering it's just like eight pages, like the hardest eight pages to write. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to switch gears. Uh, mm-hmm. How did, so, I mean, we, we see you with sex criminals. We mm-hmm. see, we understand kind of how you ended up with Marvel because of Will Moss. So where does the introduction to writing Jughead come from? Because, <laughs> I mean, they, they relaunched that Archie universe with Mark Wade and, I guess, Fiona mm-hmm. Staples originally. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess, the next book out was Jughead. Jughead, yeah. So how did, how did you get tapped to write, I guess, what, the first eight issues, I think? Yeah. So, um, believe it or not, Applebee's okay. um, was how I got that job. So <laughs> okay. I, so I contacted, as soon as they announced the Mark and Fiona Archie book, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, i got to do something I okay. gotta do like a cover. So the only guy I knew at Archie was Alex Segura. Or Segura. I never actually says his name out loud. Alex. Um, <laughs> Alex is good. Yeah. Uh, he was the PR guy. So I, I contacted him and I'm like, look, I just want to do a variant cover. If you have any open, who should I talk to there? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you might be you might be good for something else too. I'm going to put you through to Archie President and talk to you about this. Like, wow. Um, and at that point, when I talked to the Archie president, he was like, you know, we're working on Jughead right now, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've had a lot of writers' names kind of pitched, and your name hasn't come up until now, and it makes total sense, because you're Jughead. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, because I did this, like, Applebee stunt mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, a stunt. It was like, I was interacting with my hometown Applebee's. Okay. Uh, because nobody went to their Facebook page, so it was just me and my parents commenting on everything. <laughs> and I kind of created this like weird relationship with whoever was doing the social media. Okay. Um, super polite, and I just take screen caps of everything, and I post it on Tumblr. And then BuzzFeed found out about it, and then they did a whole story on it. <laughs> and that weekend was bonkers. I was on like NPR Weekend Edition talking oh, really? about it. I was interviewed by all these magazines. Like, <laughs> Like my phone, which is like on fire, which is yeah. insane. Um, yeah, once BuzzFeed does a thing and it takes off, like, yeah, you're just done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm, I'm actually known almost more for that than I am for comics. <laughs> like when people find out who I am, it's yeah, like, well, the Applebee's guy. I'm like, oh, I also write Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. What name was it under? Chip Zdarsky. Okay. Yeah. And the timing was good too because we just put out the, um, the issue of uh, Sex Criminals with the photo cover. Oh yeah, Matt and I, and Matt's credit was like the guy who like used to write Inhumans, and mine yeah. was like the guy who talks to Applebee's on Facebook. <laughs> so like, oh, the timing was so good. But anyway, so that <laughs> I guess the Archie people were like, "Oh my god, like that's such a Jughead stunt." Yeah, and so they just like saw something in me that they thought would do well. Mm-hmm. With uh, and they liked Howard the Duck and it would do well with Jughead. I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. Like, yeah. I was like, Howard the Duck was a big deal to me because yeah. I, I grew up reading it. Jughead was a, an even bigger deal to me because like that's like my first comic. Like, oh, is it? Like reading those Archie Digest. Oh, of course. Car, yeah. Like, it's insane. And so yeah, next thing I knew, I was writing Jughead. What was that like? Just the blast, or yeah. was it stressful? 
Um, it wasn't stressful at all. It was like, you know, I said earlier about like having the voices of the characters in your head. Like that was the one that was the easiest in mm. terms of like, oh, like I know, I know these characters. I know how this should play out. Like, yeah. Um, you know, you have to kind of update things a bit. Like you just have to kind of imagine the characters a bit more kind of modern mm-hmm. and as relevant as a 40 year old man can make them. But, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was insanely fun and getting to do it with Erica mm-hmm. and a couple of shoes with Derek. Like, yeah. they're just great artists. And um, Archie is a small company, so like you kind of feel like you're part of like this weird Archie family when you're doing yeah. stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it was good. But like once Erica left, I was like, I didn't want to stick around without her. Okay. And they asked me to stick around for at least two more issues, and they showed me Derek's work I'm like oh he's great so yeah and I knew that would help the transition too because Derek was going to stay on with Ryan okay um, so that made it easy did yeah. you recommend Ryan to succeed you or yeah yeah um, and he's like such an obvious choice too mm-hmm. he's so good at all ages stuff yeah like Squirrel Girl is the best book on the stands mm. and uh, yeah yeah he's done a much better job than that I did. Well, I think. that's arguable. I mean, I don't know. Your, your first arc. I mean, I I loved uh, I loved the dream sequences and how it, it it always kind of played into what was going on and how he kind of took inspiration from it. I thought that was an inspired kind of decision and that you got to kind of play in different genres and how you did it too. Yeah, and that, there was kind of two reasonings behind that. Like one, the idea of like finding the solutions and solving the problem mm-hmm. was very much kind of a an all ages decision. Mm. Like, that just felt like the kind of thing, like, that kids reading it be like, they could get the rhythm of it. Yeah. Like, okay, somewhere in here is the secret to the mm-hmm. thing that's going to help them here. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it, did, it ties to the idea of, like, daydreaming and fantasy and, like, finding solutions to your problems within those. Yeah. Which does feel like a very Jughead thing to do. Yeah. And, like, um, when I used to read those books, like, I loved the, the weird alternate universe Archie's like <laughs> you know the super teens and the yeah. you know the agents of Riverdale like mm-hmm. that stuff was always the stuff that jumped out at me like oh yeah that's my favorite like if I could get a digest I had like yeah just that pure heart or whatever like I'm like oh yeah that's my jam <laughs> um, and partly maybe it's just because like you know I was a boy and I wanted to see super, superheroes and secret agents maybe mm-hmm. more so than the romance um, due to uh, I don't know social conditioning mm-hmm. but it still spoke to me and knowing that Mark and Fiona were doing a more realistic take on the kind of the universe and yeah. I had to kind of fit into that I couldn't mm-hmm. just go all all out yeah. with that stuff so I had to make it part of a dream sequence or fantasy sequence so I think it worked I think it was like a fun way to introduce all those older elements for sure it seems like a good solution to kind of you know mm-hmm. patch these things together and still keep it you know, grounded like Mark yeah. and Fiona's book was. And, like, having Erica on board is great, too. She's younger than me, so she has different memories of Archie mm. and stuff that she liked. And so when it came time to do issue two, I told her it was going to be, like, a sci-fi pastiche. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, like, Jughead's Time Police. I'm like, what the fuck is Jughead's Time Police? <laughs> and then she shows me this, like, the thing from, like, 1991 or whatever. Really? It was like, oh limited series of like Jughead being part of this future organization called the Time Police and they were drawn by Gene Coleman really? yeah it's really freaky (laughs) Um, and so you know I basically boned up in the Time Police and I I 
I did the script, so it you know it actually did tie into an Archie thing that yeah. I didn't know about before Erica. Mentioned wow, it. that's fascinating. I had no idea. <laughs> I know it's so weird. I guess I just have the the kind of the, the core concepts of the characters is what I kind of had going in. So yeah. as you said, like having that kind of conscious knowing that much of what the characters are at their kind of base kind of makes the story really work and yeah. so the fact that it actually built on something that was pre-existing is interesting but it, it doesn't alienate at all because yeah. you don't need to know yeah yeah it's exactly. kind of the beauty of those types of books yeah and, and you know that's that's the secret I think to something like that being successful is you know issue one had a whole Game of Thrones scene mm-hmm. kids don't need to know Game of Thrones to get the, the majority of the jokes true you know, there's an underlying thing there mm-hmm. of like, you know, I think there was a joke in there about like cousins kissing or something like that. Yeah. You know, people who watch Game of Thrones know that that joke is about siblings doing more than kissing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas like, you know, a kid reading it is like, oh, that is funny and gross. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's able to play on both levels. I always think of Sesame Street for that. Mm. Like Sesame Street will do things like, like they'll do a Mad Men parody called yeah. Ad Men where yeah. they're like, doing addition mm-hmm. basic addition in the oh, 1960s yeah. office and kids have no concept no of like what they're actually parodying true their parodies are amazing yeah but the, the the jokes are still there for the kids and the adults can be like wink wink I know what this is yeah yeah and that's kind of like that's like the sweet spot I think in like for sure in an Archie tale mm-hmm. yeah no did you watch Riverdale the TV series I've only seen the first episode. I got okay. to kind of like get a sneak peek before it okay. came out. Because obviously it's a very different version of Jughead, yeah. and you wrote him a very you know kind of classic but modern kind of version. Mm-hmm. So what was your kind of take on seeing him in, on the screen in a bit of a different way? Yeah, I mean, I was fine with it. Like, I have a thing currently with kind of these classic characters where I'm like, these companies own these characters that have like instant recognition mm-hmm. they should do things with the characters yeah and I think Afterlife with Archie was a great example of that mm. like just taking those characters putting them in a horror setting yeah totally different style mm-hmm. zombies did so well and it was yeah. such a good story too mm-hmm. um, well, I think that's probably why it did well <laughs> yeah yeah because exactly. some of that could have gone very poorly could have you know Archie's had hits and misses but like true they're taking chances with the fact that they have the characters and they can do different things with them. And Riverdale, again, it's just like a different version of the characters. Yeah. Um, so I don't... It's not for me, particularly. Um, well, it's a CW show, so I'd say, you know, technically, I'm, my, maybe not. But. My, my wife is really into it. Um, I liked it. I It's very different. Um, yeah. I, you know. I, I think I'm, I'm holding off watching it because I feel like it's one of those shows like... When I'm sick, if I'm sick at home, <laughs> I'm gonna put it on, and I know I'm gonna yeah. get hooked. I know, yeah. like by episode three, I'm gonna mm-hmm. get episode four and five. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely engaging. It's just yeah. different. Uh, yeah, the only thing that ever rubbed me the wrong way on that was just uh, imbuing Jughead with sexuality. Seems weird to me because he's such an asexual yeah. character, and you definitely yeah. wrote him that way. Yeah, and like you know, he's been portrayed different ways over the seventy years or whatever he's mm-hmm. existed. You know, I I chose to portray him as asexual because that felt the most right to me mm-hmm. in terms of like his history. He loves food. Speaking. He yeah. loves food, and that's okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways you can read the character over the years. Like one is that he's just developmentally behind the other teenagers. Mm-hmm. They're all horny. Yeah. And he's not. Mm-hmm. And because he hasn't hit puberty or whatever, like he's, he's yeah, yeah. not at the stage where he's he's interested. Mm-hmm. He's gay. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of coding and 
a lot of the books that would indicate that. Um, he's straight some of the times. Yeah. They, know, they, I feel like the, once they, in a while they, they try a romance with him in the comics. Yeah, that's true. I guess the I feel like the gay shading kind of went away when they introduced Kevin Keller because that kind of gave them. Yeah, no, it, the, you know what I mean. That's like, for sure. But they also made them like the really, subtext changed. I they guess. made them really good friends. True, as well. So a lot of people like you. You'll read into it. You want to read into it. Oh, sure. Some stuff will be there. Some stuff won't be there. I think a lot of readers who are um, hoping that he would be revealed to be gay will look at his closeness with Kevin and be like, well. Maybe that closeness is because mm-hmm. of his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's room enough for two gay characters. That's the other thing. Oh, like, oh, we yeah. got our gay character. Well, no, you can have more than one. True. Um, but like, I, I had this thing like doing sex criminals specifically. Mm-hmm. Matt and I would go to conventions, and we'd have a lot of people come up to us and tell us they were asexual. Yeah. Like they basically would be like, I, I, I really enjoy this book. Um, I'm asexual, and so a lot of it doesn't relate to me, but I still really enjoy it. I'm like, mm. that's great. Like, um, and kind of got, I think, both Matt and I thinking at the same time about that, like, portrayals of asexual characters. Like, there's just nothing. No. And Matt wrote a character into Sex Criminals, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I was doing the same thing to Jughead. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's been insanely rewarding, like, the kind of feedback. I've received from asexual readers at every show I do now. Wow. It's just like, thank you. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't have to thank me. Like, it's like, it's a natural thing and it's a natural part of the series and yeah. um, it exists and it's out in the world. You exist, you're out in the world. Like, these mm-hmm. things... They're all existing together. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. And, you know, the Archie people were really good at the time about not making it a publicity stunt mm. because there was always the danger of that. That easy to have backlash on that kind of stuff, but they want it. Like that's the I thing. know, like, like you know, RT wants the publicity. True, you know, and so they were they were okay with me just like making it just just a thing in the comic mm-hmm. that is just like casually referenced. Yeah, it's not a very special issue nope. because you know we shouldn't be monetizing mm. that. We shouldn't be commodifying it. You know. Yeah. Um, and also, I want to treat it as it is, which is a normal aspect of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Just and, like any other. Yeah, so Archie was fine with that. And I was surprised that they were. Um, and they just kind of let it happen. They just kind of mm-hmm. went out in the world. You know, there's no big deal about it. Like, mm-hmm. a few people would notice. Yeah. I think eventually Fox noticed and they did a thing. <laughs> but, you know, it just, it was a, yeah, I felt like it was a, the right thing to do for the character for sure uh Kaptara, mm-hmm. where did that come from because <laughs> I mean this is this is you know creator owned but this is you as the as the writer actually kind of steering the ship like how did how did yeah. you kind of, I mean obviously you already had uh, the link with image there yeah well I, I knew after like sex criminals was out and doing well and you know I got the Howard gig that uh, um I should be doing more like mm-hmm. you know if, if I could with image and I should take advantage of that situation. And I wanted to work with Kagan super bad. Like, we've been friends for so long, and he's insanely mm-hmm. talented. He did Infinite Kung Fu mm-hmm. a few years before, and it's just bonkers. It's a great book. And he wasn't really working on anything. Like, you know, he did a lot of illustration work. He had kind of bigger projects in mind. But, mm-hmm. um, he's the funniest guy I know, like, in terms of, like, <laughs> 
visual representations of things. Like he can okay. make you laugh with a drawing. Mm. Um, he's like the modern Jack Davis. Like he's, he's okay. that kind of guy. Yeah. And yeah, I just wanted to do something with him really badly. And I had the idea kind of floating around for a while of basically a planet of like kind of action figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and originally the idea was like it was a planet that had all sorts of different like nations okay. and countries that represented yeah. different types of toys when you were okay. a kid. Yeah. Um, because there's no purity in like playing with toys. Like mm. G.I. Joe's interact with your Star Wars figures. Yeah, and yeah. Figures Absolutely. And ponies. So I like the idea that yeah. their Eternia what, like <laughs> actually had different places. Yeah, yeah. But we kind of we kind of just stayed with the He-Man theme. Yeah, we kind of realized early on, like we had the kind of the, the Smurf-like characters. Yeah, yeah. Or the the Gloms. I the Gloms. Yeah. Gloms. Yeah. Yeah. So far, I like that. Like they even kind of referenced the fact that there used to be a female, but yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a problem. They just got rid of it. They're very much Smurfs. <laughs> um, though Kagan's drawings of them were so funny. Oh yeah. Every time I flip through that book, I just I laugh when I hit those characters. <laughs> The, the coloring on them was great too. Oh, like it's so revolting. It was Kagan a really revolting colors. green. Like Kagan does the colors too. Oh, does he? Like, yeah, he's got some real good choices going on there. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting green. Yeah. So it was like it was basically my chance to um, showcase Kagan's uh, comedy drawing abilities. Mm-hmm. And so, when, where's volume two? Yeah, great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other only because I think the trade actually says volume one. Yeah. Like they, the other, the other catch is the fact that um, uh, Kagan realized working on this how hard it is to do comics. Oh. <laughs> he, I think he just kind of forgot. Okay. Um, so he's had the script issue six for a year and a half now. Okay. And uh, every time I see him, he tells me there's some progress. But okay. It's the tricky thing with the creator-owned book mm. with Image is there's no editor going like, mm. get this tomorrow. You're yeah, fired. yeah, yeah. You know, when it's done, it's done. Image okay. will publish it if they're still around. Yeah. So, great. Which odds are these days they will be. Yeah, yeah, they've, exactly. They've done amazing with creator-owned stuff in the last, what, 10, 15 years? Yeah. It's exploded. I mean, obviously, they've been around a lot longer than that. But, yeah, there's, years, been but a, there's been a wave of yeah the creator-owned stuff again. Um, and stuff that gets a lot of buzz. I mean, obviously, Sex Criminals, Saga. Yeah, Bitch Planet. And then, obviously, stuff that's been around a lot longer now, like Walking Dead and Invincible. Like you know, the Yeah, thing. Walking Dead was the first kind of... Of the new, the new era. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely, you can definitely have like, you know, image founders, mm-hmm. and then that big explosion then kind of like died off. Yeah, and you didn't hear a lot about image stuff until Walking Dead took off. Yeah, and that was like, oh, they're doing things other than you know, than superhero stuff. The superhero-y kind of things. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and yeah, and I think that I think Saga was the wave after. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, it was Walking Dead, people were trying out other things, and then Saga, like, took off and, like, Exploded. oh, you can really expand mm-hmm. how you treat genres. And For sure. Sex Criminals, Bitch Planet, Wicked and Divine, like, yeah. Like, all of us were kind of, like, part of that wit, that just post Saga wave. Mm-hmm. And again, a bunch of the people involved, again, were the genesis of that that kind of crew, as you said, on the Warren Ellis board. <laughs> yeah, strangely. What a weird. What a weird confluence of talent, just kind of all this. Getting to know each other, all kind of. There were thousands of people on that message board, like yeah. either lurking or posting, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there's just there were a few that kind of really stood out. Yeah, and some of the ones that stood out just never kind of gave a go at comics or didn't maybe one comic or two. And, yeah, um, some were already professionals at that point, but yeah, 
yeah, still, I'm still I mean, an amazing class. I know. I, I, I want a lot of us from that group talk about the idea of like somebody needs to do like an oral history of the Warren Ellis Forum, <laughs> just to like because it was all through like you know nine eleven and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. It was it was an interesting period in history in comics as well. For sure. Um, yeah, it'd be cool to kind of get everyone's read on. Well, it's, it's always interesting to see where the new voices come from too right like I mean if you kind of go back through the history of comics kind of seeing the formative events that kind of created these people and the fact that you all kind of had shared experiences around the same board like that's yeah. kind of kind of crazy I mean like it shows you how both big and small the world can be when yeah. you know you're not close to each other but you're part of this community this mm-hmm. online community and there's enough of these kind of louder um you know, very specific voices that kind of find each other and then kind of end up breaking in, in and around each other. And it's interesting how quickly you can tell if somebody is an interesting read. Mm. Like, uh, like I find even now on Twitter, there'll be a few kind of, kind of like younger comic creators that I'll I'll follow the, their tweets. So I'll read their tweets. And I'm like, oh no, this is this is funny, interesting, yeah. engaging stuff. Um, I don't even need to read their comics to know that they're a good comic writer. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, there are some people where I'm just like, oh, like I could, I could see you doing a Marvel book oh, yeah. based on their tweets. Nice. Like, there's, yeah. It's it's how people handle other people online. It's how people like present yeah. themselves. It's how they kind of sure. build a fan base. Like, there's there's a lot that goes into it. You can you can you can see it with certain people. Like, oh, you've you've got it. And then yeah. you see some people who like you know try to insert themselves in the conversations and mm. post their stuff everywhere yeah, yeah. and I'm like you don't have it it's a little bit more artificial and it yeah. doesn't feel right yeah people people smell it a mile away when you're just there to promote for sure for sure yeah so yeah spectacular Spider-Man I gotta go <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's the time allotment it's, it's been a long lead up but this is this is a big deal I mean this is, yeah. first of all I mean Spider-Man was pared down to just the Amazing Spider-Man title almost what 10 years ago yeah, or about yeah. and uh, we haven't had kind of a, a side book since we've had I think Web of Spider-Man went for like, 12 issues or something but like yeah. nothing really has happened we've just had the core book yeah. so now we're getting a new book and you're writing that book that's, yeah. that's pretty huge that's really crazy now did you whose idea was it to kind of re- resurrect the Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man title Obviously, that was the original B book when it first came out. Yeah. So, the way everything kind of came together was, um, obviously, I've been writing Spider-Man into Howard the Duck, mm-hmm. mostly as a punchline, <laughs> you know, with respect to the character. Um, but in a book like Howard, you can get away with it. You can totally get away with it there. Uh, it's still my favorite gag in any of the books I've ever done. <laughs> Just him crying for his uncle. Uh, but... But you could you could see like especially I think it was issue seven of volume two where Kevin McGuire filled in mm-hmm. and Spider Man kind of joined all the heroes in yep. Savage Land like um, that was so much fun like getting to write those characters and especially getting to like write Spider Man yeah. throughout the issue mm-hmm. like I love doing Spider Man jokes like okay. they're just so fun having <laughs> him bounce off other characters. Um, well, that definitely came across in your free comic book day because there, there's yeah, yeah. I was almost like he's using so many of these all at once like oh, the, yeah, yeah. the battle with the vulture where he's just like rat-a-tat-tat with like every comment possible oh, that was so fun it was so fun because that's the thing he's got to be annoying mm. he has to be annoying to the villain like that's part yeah. of the shtick so which means you have to kind of be there's got to be a barrage of the jokes but yeah so you know writing him in Howard was like so much fun and like if that was me checking off on the checklist like ah I got the right Spider-Man alright <laughs> I put him in like I had a Doctor Strange one shot mm. and I put him in there too yeah. I'm, just like, oh, I'm just gonna put him in there 
And my, I had an idea, and Will Moss had an idea too, that like after Howard wrapped up, maybe, um, maybe him, myself, and Joe could get together and try and figure out some sort of like team book that involves Spider-Man. Mm. That'd be a lot of fun, but there were so many delays with it, and it just took so long to kind of like. I, I you know I have so many versions of a pitch on that, and um, it was delayed long enough that like Joe ended up working on America. I got Star Lord, and I kind of thought, well, you know, I didn't even talk about Star Lord. <laughs> well, hold on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put Spider Man away. <laughs> Let's go back to Star Lord. No, An- another Peter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the Peter, but not close. close. Uh, secondary Peter. Yeah. Um, yeah so like we, we'd all kind of moved on to other things and um, but I was still kind of pursuing it because I was like partly because I wanted to work with Joe again mm-hmm. uh, down the line um, and then Will told me he was like one of his emails like you know what let's put this on the back burner I think you're going to get an email soon mm-hmm. about something else I'm like oh mysterious <laughs> and then I did and I got the email from Nick Lowe the editor uh, he wanted to talk to me and so we talked and he basically wanted me on a new Spider-Man book wow and you know the had you worked with any other Marvel editors up until this point because it seems like Will Moss is kind of like your guy Jordan White okay um, was the main editor on Star-Lord oh, okay uh, and also the Doctor Strange book mm-hmm. which is more Darren Shan okay um, uh, so yeah so I'd, I'd worked with those two kind of groups of editors yeah and, and Will's okay with you kind of leaving his stable yeah, I mean, he's the one that told me, like, because I, I talked to him after after I got. So Nick offered me a Spider-Man book, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, I think he'd be great for it. I'm like, oh wow, and, you know, the Spider-Man book kind of stemmed from the fact that they had a movie coming out, mm-hmm. and they saw it on the calendar, and they're just like, oh, um, they want people to be able to go from the movie to the comic shop, yeah, pick up a Spider-Man book. Um, it's, and, fam- it's familiar it kind of yeah exactly and like you know Dan on Amazing has been doing awesome stuff and he's been like doing all these new things putting Peter into like new scenarios and like mm-hmm. the whole Parker industry stuff is great but it's also it's hard to bring someone from the movie theater especially where they're bringing Tom Holland where he's like in high school so you can't it's hard to kind of go high school to CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, there's certain jumps you can make. Like, you, I think you can pick up like a book where he's like in New York and being Spider-Man. You yeah. know, he's like 27, 28. Mm-hmm. They can make that jump. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, the parking industry stuff might be like I, I, my 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 wish is somebody would go from the movie, pick up my book, go, oh, I want to find it more, mm. and then pick up Amazing, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, now they see it all together. They yeah. Get the whole spectrum. <laughs> So yeah, so that was the, the kind of mandate of the book, and you know, he's like, you know, think about it, you know, let me know, because mm-hmm. I didn't say yes right away, because I'm just like, okay, I should actually think. About you didn't it. say yes right away? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I did. Or I, uh, you know, obviously I said I was super honored. Like, yeah, let me uh, let me think about because first I got to think about, do I have anything to say? Mm. I don't have a notebook with Spider-Man ideas sitting there. Some people do. Yeah just in case they get the call but I don't like I'm just like oh okay alright you know sounds like a serial killer's notebook like I'm just like yeah, yeah. what I'm gonna do with Spider-Man if I ever get him yeah yeah <laughs> uh, if I were to get him so I think my first thing I did was I emailed Will mm-hmm. and I said like does this jeopardize this idea that we have mm-hmm. for a Spider-Man team book he's like look you'd be crazy to turn this down like you're yeah. perfect for it do it yeah 
we'll work together again one day, I'm sure. I'm like, okay. It was hard, because, like, I worked with Will, like, all through, yeah. you know, Howard and Trudeau and stuff, and, like, um, you know, he's, like, my, my entry into Marvel. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I'd be an idiot to say no to this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're going through artists and um, got Adam Kubert on board. I'm like, this is bonkers. Like, How did that happen? Like, that's that's a pretty big name to have yeah, on, a, yeah. on well, a new Spider-Man book. I know. It showed that they wanted to launch it. Like, they want... This True. wasn't this wasn't just, like, a secondary Spider-Man book that will disappear. Mm. They were like, oh, no, we want... True, they're putting, like, name talent on it that's definitely going to drive, you know... Yeah, people yeah. People are going to run into kind of see because it's a bigger name. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm... I'm still relatively new to it, so they're taking a chance on me on the book. But to have Adam there, it's just like, okay, now you know, mm-hmm. now we're guaranteed some of these for the art. Um, Two of the three boxes have been checked. It's a Spider-Man book, and we have great artists. Man, the yeah. Sadarsky guy. Yeah. We'll, we'll give him a chance. We'll give him a chance. <laughs> um, so yeah, at that point, I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm doing a Spider-Man book, and you know, I can't tell anyone. <laughs> so because that happened in like November. Oh wow. October around there. When did the official announcement come out? February, I want to say. Okay. Maybe. Um, so yeah, like there was a one point where I flew to New York because I had a couple of meetings there, um, and one of them was going to be like it was a lunch with uh, with uh, Nick, Devin, Allison, who were like the Spider-Man editors, mm-hmm. and Dan Slot and myself. Okay. In which. Had you met Dan before already? Or? Um, not in real life, like just kind of like interactions online. But, okay. Um, so, uh, so that lunch was basically them kind of like getting me up, up to speed on everything that's going to be happening with Spider-Man in the next okay. year or so. So it was kind of weird because like I read the book, yeah, and like I'm just sitting there as they spoil the rest of the year <laughs> for me. So I'm just like, oh, okay, so and so dies. Okay, all right, okay. Oh, oh, and that's who murdered them. Oh, okay, I see. All right, all right. Like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm having to pretend like, oh, this is totally cool. Whatever yeah, yeah. you're telling me, it's like, meanwhile, there's ruining a whole year of comics that I normally buy. I'm like, all right, that's one of the downsides to working in comics. They don't mm-hmm. want me to tell you about like, <laughs> like shit. Um, so yeah, we had this great lunch where you know I got to kind of like pitch uh, my ideas to the table in person and mm-hmm. like. Um, and yeah, and like kind of like get to know Dan a bit better since like we'll have our books kind of side by side, and yeah. uh, got to team up with Dan against Nick, so that was great. And <laughs> Is it tricky to like kind of write a book that's you know it's it's coexisting with Dan's and I mean Dan's is the flagship book. I mean yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like I, there's no easy way of kind of going around it. At the end of the day, his is the main book, and yours yeah. is, is the you know is, is the secondary book. It, How do you kind of play around in that? It takes a lot of pressure off me first of all because Dan has to kind of make the big moves mm-hmm. in that book um, and take the flack for it or whatever yeah that's true so um, I get to play off of what he's doing uh, while also kind of like keeping an arm's distance because of what they want from the book with mm-hmm. the, the New York setting and the, uh, the kind of bringing it back to basics feel um, yeah I found for the first few arcs, like I've got it planned out for like about twenty issues right now. Oh wow! Um, and it's straight monthly, right? There's no just straight monthly. Okay. Um, so the idea is like 
this is for the the big overall story that I'm kind of building, mm-hmm. and I've worked it in such a way that um, I can maintain high stakes through the story uh, and offering kind of change to Spider-Man's life without derailing anything Dan's doing okay. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be introducing things that he can pick up and play with okay. and he's introducing things that I can pick up and play with. Okay. Like there's, um, there's, a, there's a friendship there between the books so it's not like I'm like, oh, Dan, why is Dan doing this? That's screwing me. Like, mm-hmm. There's been nothing like that happening, and, and definitely not vice versa. So it's very it's, clear that there's still linkage between the two, and it's not like they're completely separate. Yeah, yeah. Like We downplay the Parker uh, industry stuff. Which makes sense for what you're going for. Yeah, at least at the beginning, because like, yeah, you don't want to confuse the readers. But um, but yeah, as, as they kind of go on, like, you'll be able to kind of see where they kind of take place beside each other mm-hmm. um, and if you know if fingers crossed that people enjoy the book and enjoy myself and Adam on it then um, we'll, we'll we'll figure out beyond mm-hmm. issue 2025 and, and what we can do what was it like when you kind of I guess got the call that you were going to be doing the free comic book day issue because that's that's, all that's, that's a big thing right because I mean not only are you going to be launching a new Spider-Man book but you know the book that most people are going to have access to this free comic yeah. you're going to be delivering one of the stories there yeah it's a little bonkers <laughs> it's a little bonkers how do you approach you know writing you know, a story that kind of sets up your run or at least feels like it does um, yeah. but you know and gives kind of a, a complete story in a shorter com- compact Kind of way. Yeah, it's tricky because like with ten pages, you can't do anything kind of like world shaking. No, um, we did bring Peter and MJ back to that know, conversation. And that's kind of that was a bit of a ballsy move on my part. We haven't seen that in a while. I know. Yeah, well, like the way kind of Dan had them in amazing, like their definite tentative uh, motions on both of their parts. Mm-hmm. Like with MJ's kind of new role. Yeah, um, I think there's more of an understanding of the stuff that Peter does. Mm. You know, she jumped in with the Iron Spider suit and yeah. stuff, and like, you know, they had banter, and um, so they're, they're Dan had kind of set up kind of motions towards them, at least kind of attempting friendship, right? Yeah, because there's no there's no solid reason why they they can't be friends. Again, unless you take into consideration everything that's actually happened to them. Yeah, and then there's just no way. No. Like the, <laughs> the first time anything bad happens to either of them, yeah. like that friendship is over. Um, but because of the magic of comics, you can mm-hmm. kind of hand wave that stuff a little bit. For sure, or, it was a great sequence. Like it was thanks. Just, it, it was nice to see, it was nice to see them interacting because I feel yeah. like uh, too often we would see them either you know it would just it'd be almost like it was too fraught or it was too high stakes, yeah. and it was kind of nice to see the characters just interacting and just being friendly and not being part of something else. Like, yeah, just there's two friends kind of, you know, just kind of getting caught up on each other. And I thought that was nice. And there's a way to get away with it because both of them, their self-defense move is humor. Hmm. Peter more so than Mary Jane, but Mary Jane still has that, right? Sure. And you could, you could even see it, like, in, in when her and Spider-Man interact when she's as Iron Spider or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. There, there are jokes. There are jokes happening it masks everything else mm-hmm. underneath and stuff they've gone through but um, but it's how they it's how they can deal with each other I made a mention at a panel that I was writing them like me and my ex-wife 
Um, I probably should have elaborated further <laughs> than just say that because people are like, like, what? Like, people hate X Y. That's terrible. But <laughs> I should have kept going with the explanation and said that oh, my ex wife is my best friend in the world. Like, okay. I love her dearly. She's my favorite person, and she's the only person that gets me on, on like a, a, a super deep level. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I, I view Peter and Mary Jane that way. Because they have gone through everything, and even though, oh, Mephisto and your machinations, yep. <laughs> um, even though there's not an actual marriage now that uh, ever existed, yeah, that's that's, that's in their past. Like I'm still treating them as if they are mm. exes from a from yeah. a marriage. Because you know, people heal and they move past, and you know, rare cases like me and my ex like became best friends and yeah. that's kind of what I wanted to showcase. Mm. Now, even though I put them in the first couple of pages together, um, that was mostly so I could write Mary Jane and, <laughs> and so I could show kind of the tone of what I'm going for with the series, but mm-hmm. uh, Mary Jane doesn't really feature no. uh, prominently in, in my series. Okay. Um, but that's just kind of mostly because where my series goes is bunkers and <laughs> and uh, has no room for Mary Jane right now. Fair enough. Yeah. How, how did you choose Vulture as the villain for the uh, free comic book story? Uh, it seemed pretty obvious. The movie had the Vulture. Yeah. And Was know, that a mandate for you? Or no, it wasn't a choice? mandate. But it, I mean, when we originally started talking about the comic back in like November, October, like the series itself, mm-hmm. um, you know, Nick said to me, he's like, you know, you can do whatever, you know, these are all the villains that you, you can use. Um, just so you know, in the movie, obviously the Vulture's in there, the Tinkerer's in there. So, yeah. if you want to use those characters, that'd be great. And he specifically liked the idea of taking the Tinkerer and, in his words, level him up. Like, make okay. him a bit more of a mm-hmm. imposing villain. For sure. So, I like that idea, mostly because I love writing senior citizens. <laughs> like, I really do. Like, every comic I do, I put seniors in. Captara's got Melvon the Wizard. Yeah, which that's is right. Yeah. Based on a fictitious uncle of mine. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, Howard the Duck had a whole issue about senior citizens. I put Aunt May in there. Like, yeah, that's right. Seniors are my favorites. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I like the idea of like Tinkerer. And I said, you know, not making Tinkerer young like no. he is in the movie. There's no way. Put my foot down there, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, they never asked me. <laughs> No sexy Tinker for you. No. Um, but yeah, so like, I knew Tinker was going to be kind of like my, one of my bad guys in the run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had some vulture ideas that tied into that. Uh, but once I found out I was doing the free comic book day, I'm like, oh, we should just put vulture in. Yeah. Because that would be fun. Like, And the story I, can, I was able to tell there, just kind of about relationships dealing with age. Mm. You know, I thought that was kind of a fun kind of commentary on, well, you know, sure. the hot young Marvel characters that are popping up and yeah. making Spider-Man feel a bit old, but Spider-Man yeah. still makes Vulture feel old and like, yeah, uh, a, yeah, <laughs> a, a young trapster. Yeah, the young trapster didn't go with Pace Pot Pete. No, no, <laughs> for some reason I couldn't figure out a a cool uh, twist on Pace Pot Pete. That's a much harder thing to do. That's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just like the idea. Just like. Some teenager just sees a couple old men beating each other up. Yeah. It's like, whatever. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. 
What uh, so when we saw the vulture in the comic book store, obviously it upgrades to his costume. Was that yeah your idea to come from the artist? Um, that was my idea. I did um, I did some concept designs because it makes a lot of sense. Like he's going to get punched in the face, and yeah. plus the wind resistance on flying. Like you should have a helmet on. Him I know, I know. Yeah, I feel like that's like the most common sense addition. <laughs> if like if nothing from my run carries on past the run, <laughs> I want vulture having a helmet yes. to be the thing. I think in my, in my initial sketch, I don't think it showed up as much in pre comic book day thing, but I have like kind of what I like to call MCU Tony Stark kind of hologram things like okay. inside his helmets for like yeah, yeah, flight yeah. patterns and stuff. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm always trying to think of like yeah. Again, it almost feels like that's what they're going for in the movie because like he's got like a helmet. Oh, I didn't even see that at that point. Like that's true. It's which was much earlier. There's there's actually there's a few coincidences. I'm just like oh man, people are going to think I'm like. <laughs> ripping off the movie or ripping off this person like uh, Hanna Hanna Blumenbrick Blumenbrick I forgot okay. her name um, she's the one who did the backup story in Amazing Spider-Man 25 okay yeah yeah um, you know she does like these awesome kind of fan Spider-Man comics and she did a drawing of like Spider-Man and Human Torch like eating lunch on a rooftop and I was mm-hmm. like oh fuck <laughs> and so I, I messaged her immediately with a panel that Adam had just sent me of them having lunch on a rooftop and I was like <laughs> We are on the same wavelength or something, because like, and I, like the thing is, this comic's going to come out like five months from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, look who's ripping off Hannah! I'm like, oh god damn it! I swear I'm not. You know, I've got a I've got a scene in issue two where Spider Man's wearing a, a sports jacket over his Spider Man outfit. Okay. And then they release the uh, poster for Spider Man Homecoming where he's just lounging in like the yeah in the Stark jacket. I'm like, oh god damn it! Like. <laughs> On one hand, I'm like super excited that like I'm clearly tapping into um, Spider-Man zeitgeist or whatever. But well, your stuff is coming with delayed, so it kind of yeah, looks, it yeah. looks weirder. Yeah, it's always even it's always, though it already exists for you. But yeah, yeah. What's it, what's it like when you get those first pages back from Adam? Like when you're writing issue one and you start getting the art. Oh, it's bonkers. Do you write him full script? Or do you do a little bit more Marvel style with him? I mean, you're, you are an artist, and so obviously you come at it a little differently than a, a traditional you know, non-artist writer would. Yeah, I mean, it's different with every artist, but um, I I really only learned to draw or to write scripts from Matt. Okay. Like, based on his scripts, and his scripts are very conversational. Okay. Um, they're formal, like, in the, in the sense of, like, you know... On Sex Criminals, we work on a very tight eight-panel grid, so he says, you know, this is a one-eighth, this is one-sixteenth, mm. this is okay. half-page, this is wide-panel. Like, mm-hmm. So we break we break down the structure of the page right away. Um, but it's conversational in the sense that he's talking to me. Yeah. Like, hey, chum, this is happening. Check this out. Oh, I'm going to fuck you with this page. Ha, ha, ha. Like, it's... I was going to ask, because there, there is an issue where you guys go back and forth in the panel. And yeah, it's... yeah. I had to rewrite a lot of my dialogue, so <laughs> a lot of his original dialogue for me was very litigious towards Marvel, and I'm like, we can't be doing that. Jeez, I, still, I work for them. Um, but yeah, so I, I try to make it so the scripts for the artists I'm working with are mm-hmm. conversational. Like, I want I want them to enjoy reading the script. I don't want to just be, like, by the numbers, like, this happens, yeah. this happens, this happens. Do you talk to Adam about anything, or like does it just go through the editors? I, I, I leave it super open in the script. Like, you know, if there's a scene where I'm just like, maybe I don't know exactly how it should look. I would say to him, like, interpret this how you will. If you have mm-hmm. ideas, send me ideas. Like, yeah, um, you know, I want what's what's going to create the best artwork and try to be as collaborative as possible. Yeah, always you have to unless you have a, unless you have a very specific idea in mind and a specific 
narrative beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's only one point where I I dictated to him that this has to be a nine panel grid page. Okay. Like it has to be just because the the pacing of it. Um, but otherwise, like he takes two pages and he makes them double page spreads. Like he, yeah. like the first the opening spread of Spider Man and Johnny overlooking the city. Like that's all him. Like it's just yeah. like big and beautiful and like you know I just picture like a skyline he's just like this bird's eye view three point perspective just wow just stunning um so yeah and that's, that's what you get when you work with Adam Cooper yeah exactly like he he's, he strives to be super inventive with uh, panel layouts and stuff like that and it shows like they're great um and no matter how crazy he might get with that uh, it still reads really well because he's such a pro. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's not going to sacrifice um, storytelling for um, flashiness. Okay. He, he he can manage both, which is yeah, yeah. the best part about working with someone like Adam, who like gets it. For sure, he's yeah. been doing it for a while. He just totally understands comics, um, and he's so eager too. Like, you know, the the kind of the emails I get from him are just like full of joy and excitement about the project, and like, wow. he's he's, he's He's having so much fun on it, which makes me. This has never done an ongoing Spider-Man book before. I know it did Astonishing Wolverine and Spider-Man. Wolverine and Spider-Man, yeah, which um, was pretty well received. Yeah, yeah, like Jason sure. Aaron too. So, sure, two again, two huge names. Jason Aaron is literally the best writer in the business. Like that guy can do anything. He's um, kind of showing that. Yeah, he's amazing. But um, but yeah, I know I know Adam's having a lot of fun on it, and I think that helps. So when I get the pages, I get the sense of fun from him. Um, which makes me excited. So yeah. when I write the next script, I'm just like, yes, it's going to be so cool <laughs> seeing him draw this. He sent in the cover for issue four, I think, and it's just so awesome. It's like one of those covers where you're just like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to want a poster of that. It's great. When uh, when they give you a kind of list of, of the, the villains you could use, yeah. was there anyone on the list you were surprised was on the list? No. No, no it's, it was it's just pretty straightforward, and there's still a few I need to kind of sort out because I... I have some kind of big fight scenes coming up that I'm going to need more villains, and um, sometimes it's hard to keep track of everything. Like I follow Amazing Spider-Man super closely, mm-hmm. um, but these characters can pop up anywhere in the Marvel universe, so it's kind of hard to like. Yeah, I found that like when I was first pitching, like that's what editors are for, though, right? <laughs> Who's using this guy? I know, but I can't even imagine like you know the one Tom Brevoort the one editor there, like, he knows everything about every character and their appearances, and, like, mm-hmm. he's just, like, on top of all of it. Like, everything goes through him at some point, because yeah. he can be like, well, that's interesting, but Galactus said this in Fast and Four 261, so <laughs> maybe you should reconsider. For sure. Like, he knows. He's the guy. Yeah. But it, it is tricky, like... He has the longest... Isn't he the longest tenure at Marvel right now? I don't know, maybe, yeah. Out? He's been there since the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. I think it's his only job. Like, I think he just kind of got that job. And yeah. He's kind of built for that place. But yeah, the um, it's super tricky. Like, when I was first pitching a team book to Marvel, it took me forever just to figure out who could be on the team. Because I'm like, oh, I'll have this character. And then mm-hmm. I find out they're like a murderer now. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I find out they died three issues ago. I'm like, oh. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Well, it's a universe, right? Like it's, it's constantly universe. moving and changing, and yeah. characters are exiting and coming and going, and yeah, and you, you try to keep up, but like it's it's hard. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. So yeah, so they, I mean, nothing's been rejected so far that okay. I've pitched 
the Spider-Man office. There have been a few kind of things that have been thrown my way and been like, oh, you know that plot point? Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. You have to change that. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Um, so it's challenging on that level. Like, Do you enjoy that kind of challenge, though? Like adapting and moving around and shifting and making it work? For the most part, I do. I, I like the idea of restrictions. Mm. Um, I think you can create more interesting things True. with those restrictions in place. Um, and that, again, that kind of goes back to the newspaper. Like, yeah. There are a lot of restrictions there because... Yeah you'll get the dimensions like oh you've got three columns by eight inches mm. to tell the story or to tell the make these jokes yeah um, and you've got like four hours and it has to be family friendly that part's crazy to me like the, the tight deadlines like, yeah. that just sounds insane because it it's, it's a yeah. creative thing and yeah to be able to you know kind of create it in such a short time span just seems ludicrous it was I think it was easier on your soul before the internet because, you know, the old adage about, like, you know, today's news is tomorrow's birdcage line, or, like, that was the case. Like, it just disappeared. Yeah. Like, when I did a bad thing. True. I just had to sweat it out for a day, and mm. then it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, not anymore. Not anymore. It stays there forever. <clears throat> yeah. Someone will find it. Yeah. But yeah, I like the restrictions. Like, um, just by nature of being a Spider-Man title, um, which makes it high-profile means there's going to be restrictions there's going to be more kind of not editor's notes but maybe like you can fuck around a bit more with Howard the Duck true than you can with Spider-Man makes sense Um, one of the most kind of a flagship character yeah if you do if I do have a major change that I want to introduce in the Mm Spider-Man mythology or whatever it doesn't just go through one person Mm. it's got to go through multiple people yeah so that that's that's a thing I'm getting used to I have a listener question. Uh, does being a working artist give you more sympathy for the artists you work with as a writer? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you hesitate to ask for a double-page spread featuring 100 random characters because you know the work involved? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, especially when I started on Howard. Like, I was always, like, really visualizing the pages, like how I would draw it. Yeah. Um, there was a... Do you do that less with Spider-Man now? I... 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 I Stop doing it maybe about three or four issues in the Howard. Okay. Like, I'll have certain kind of key images in mind, but um, I try not to visualize it too much because then when the artwork comes back, mm. one of two things happens. One, either I'm disappointed yeah. because it's not how I would have done it, or two, I hate myself because it's so much better than what I was thinking. <laughs> Usually like, that second part. Yeah. And so... Like you said about the redesigns for Howard. Yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> like that. But... Like, I am always very careful in terms of, like, what I'm getting them to draw. The, uh, like, I think Joe, like, even in my script, there was a panel in Howard the Duck that takes place at a cosmic convention Mm. where, uh, I think Galactus, I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, the collector was there. Okay. And he was, like, collecting something from this convention. And so I told him, it's got to be a panel showing the convention with a bunch of jokes in it. And it has to be like that. I'm so sorry, because I know what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do a great job. I guess the fact that, like, you are an artist that maybe they also can be like, well, he gets it. Like, he's he's not doing this to just because he's, you know, <coughs> wanting to do all these things, but, like, he, you know, he's doing it for the purity of the, of the gag, or he's doing it for the... Yeah, yeah. Like, and you understand the work involved, and I guess an artist dealing with you would know that, and say, like, you come yeah. from an illustration background, so you're not 
just throwing everything in there for no reason. You have a good reason, and you know the work involved. Yeah, there's always there's always got to be a good reason for it, um, especially if you're drawn to scene where it's like a hundred cars or a bunch of tanks and soldiers. Like, mm-hmm. if, uh, if you just throw that in to throw it in, then don't hurt your artist that way. <laughs> uh, we have another listener question, which was uh, after uh, penning big hard sex criminals and what the duck. Can you give us some hints as to Peter Parker's story titles that you might use, <laughs> or probably can't? <laughs> Oh my god, um, there's nothing dirty, that's for sure. Anything um, you, that you wish you could use that would be dirty that you obviously can't use for no, 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 never. Um, <laughs> I am pretty happy with some of the titles of stories. There's one, there's one, the Tinkerer shows up and the issue title is, what did I have it? Tinkerer Tailored Soldier Guy. It's all about his upgrade. I'm just like, yeah. oh. It's, it's so bad, but also so good. <laughs> Tinker Taylor, soldier guy. Like, if you don't know yeah, yeah. Tinker Taylor, soldier spy, then it makes no sense, but... <laughs> I feel like enough people know. Yeah, It's yeah. a pretty common phrase now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Do you enjoy coming up with the titles to the books you wrote? Yeah, for the most part. Towards the end of Power of the Duck was getting a little tricky. Yeah. It's because you kind of run out of duck and fowl puns. Wait, you can? I know. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> Didn't think that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's part of the fun. Uh, and another listener question was basically, would you, or do you see yourself at some point doing a, a full book where you are writing and doing all the again? Yeah, eventually. Because yeah. um, that's what I started out doing. Mm-hmm. And Obviously, that was what to, like early two thousands too. Yeah, now, right. So it's been a little while, but you've also matured as an artist and as a writer. Maybe, <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. I'm definitely. I'm definitely. I think I'm. I'm a better artist now than I was then because I can't look at my old stuff. Okay. I can kind of look at my stuff now. Um, I'm a better storyteller now. Mm. I don't think I'm funnier now. I think I was funnier in 2002, okay. Why? What do you think that is? Age. Yeah. Yeah. You're I just think less funny with age. Yeah, I think I think I think the edges get dulled off you okay. a little bit actually. Um, you know, I would read comedians talk about that. Like, I think there was like a quote from Steve Martin mm. in a book where he talked about like how he feels he used to be funnier and he said the older you get like more things just feel like no it's not that funny like mm-hmm. once once people in your life start to die of things oh jeez like you just can't make you know the cancer jokes anymore something yeah, like that I guess that's true um, and it's not that I'm like oh my old cancer jokes were great <laughs> but well I think that maybe that's what you're saying no I mean part of it is also just like I was young and dumb and so a lot of the jokes that I was telling back when I was writing Prison Funnies for example which is a dark humor comic mm-hmm. um they're like just not jokes that I would tell now. Mm. Um, it's almost like self censorship, or just like it's maturing. maturing. It's like yeah, like some of them I still find funny, some I don't find funny at all. Yeah, some I'm like, oh geez, that's that's unfortunate. Well, it's uh, just maturing taste in general, right? Because I mean, yeah. Yeah. not even just your own stuff, but like you know, things you read, things you liked when you were younger, they change. I mean, something yeah. I thought was hilarious in university, I'm like, mm, I can't, I don't know, this is dumb. Yeah. There's also the problem of repeating yourself. Like, mm. sometimes I'll think of a joke, and that's pretty funny, but oh, I've actually used that before. And you have to, like, you know, you start to run out of your natural jokes. Mm. Um, I think storytelling, I'm, I'm getting better, yeah. hopefully. Uh, because the last few years, really the first time I've actually been able to craft narratives. 
Mm. Um, my old comics were very much gag comics. Okay. You know, sometimes there'd be storylines, sometimes there wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a very different thing right now for me. For sure. And you kind of try to, like my old stories used to be, I'd have the main jokes and I'd make the story work around those. Yeah. Now I've got the main story and I'm trying mm. to insert jokes. Okay. Uh, to help it out. So it's a it's a different type of writing for sure. But yeah, no. I, I, after Sex Criminals, the idea is that I would write and draw my own book. Do you guys have a projected kind of end yeah. point? Yeah, um, issue thirty one. Issue thirty one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, issue thirty is kind of the last book, which is like triple X. So we're happy with that. Okay. And then oh, issue yeah. thirty one, we're going to title issue sixty nine, and it's going to be set in the future. So. <laughs> Uh, about right. I don't know about that, but like, yeah, we, we've got like, yeah, like we've got 30 issues, and the 31st would be like a, uh, like an epilogue to the whole thing. Would that be included in the trade? Like yeah, an actual kind of progression because they're usually five. Usually issues. five. I think the last trade will be six issues. Just yeah. To like, uh, the issues vary in length too. Like, true. Um, lately, they've been like, like I'm finishing issue 20 now, and it's. Uh, 24 pages instead of 20. Okay. So, you know. Did they give you any kind of flack for that from the publishing end? No, because the, the, the physical size of the book is the same. Like, so, so our comic is 32 pages. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's including cover, yeah. back cover. Um, and for the most part, we, we would do 20 pages of story, and then we'd fill the rest with letters. Originally, it would be ads and yeah. letters, but now we have enough letters. We can just do like we can do ten pages of letters for sure. Um, I mean, your time is number one book of the year, so of course you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, <laughs> you can't write on that forever. That's no, for sure. no. But um, but yeah, now lately it's like well, you know, it's our book, so if we want to add more story pages to it mm. because it's needed, then we just do it for sure. Um, you know, it takes obviously more time. Like four more pages doesn't sound like a lot, but it's another week out of the schedule. Mm. So, um, so sometimes there will be delays as a result. But we're giving you four more pages for the same price, so I don't feel too bad about it. No, of course not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after after sex criminals after wraps. sex criminals wraps, um, the idea is that I would do my own thing. I don't know what that would be yet. It could be a graphic novel or mm. my own image series or. Would it be weird to be kind of done that project, considering that that was kind of like the big coming out party um, of comics? That's going to be rough. It's going to be probably the hardest week. Yeah. For sure. The day I got issue one uh, sent to me, like from the printer, like I cried. I cried like for 10 minutes just like yeah. looking at it because I was like, oh my God, like this is such a thing. It's really happening. It's such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be the same thing when I get the last issue. Yeah. But probably, I'm going to go into grieving probably for about like Makes a sense. Month. It's like your, it's your baby. It's this thing that you and Matt brought into this world and didn't well, know it's... who would make it, and it did, and it became this you know success and something at the end of the day that you both enjoy working on together. And I think that's yeah. kind of an important thing, right? It's something that you guys share and enjoy doing. Yeah. A lot of times people ask me, you know, you know what's, what's your favorite book that you've worked on? And... You know, in terms of kind of, like, having fun with the thing, you know, it changes month to month, but, like, sex criminals literally changed my life. Mm. Like, 100%. Like, 
I've traveled the world as a result of that book. I signed Russian editions of Sex Criminals in Moscow. Oh, wow. Like, if you asked me that, like, four years ago, like... Yeah. There's no way that I'd be sitting here on a couch talking about the Russian edition of my book while I interview about the Spider-Man comic I'm writing. Mm. I was, like, at a newspaper, a struggling newspaper. I was going to die. Like, it's insane how much that book has altered the course of my life and my wife's life. Mm -hmm. Like... I was like kind of tracing things back, so again, I, I go back to the Warren Ellis forum. Like yeah. that Warren Ellis forum, yeah, you know, changed your entire life. Yeah, so. essentially, that's 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 true. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. Like it's when you pull back those threads and you kind of you find those things that launched you into certain directions. I, I find fascinating. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. It just shows you how random the world really is. You know, there's also there's an element of you know sometimes there'll be a thing that'll happen to me. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the Applebee's thing is an example. Yeah. Or yeah, that gave you jughead. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> like before that, like I did a thing online that was I called one page, where it's just like it was like a, a single page excerpt from like an erotic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like a dumb joke I had to do, and I put it out online, and then I got contacted by Fox Animation to come out to pitch a series as a result of that. Like, what? it's just like it's people see these dumb things and they're just like wow you're so lucky that 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 caught on I'm like well yes but also I was always doing things like Mm -hmm. like there was never a day where I wasn't posting something online that I thought was funny or just the dumb thing that I just like thought of or like a a stupid drawing or a story like um, and like thousands of those don't hit and then two or three hit and those are the things that can change the course of your life yeah um I like the illusion of it being just like, oh, Chip stumbled into a thing again. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like... That sounds like a fun comic. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Chip stumbled into something today. Oh, jeez. Let's see what Chip did. But, um... Maybe that's your next comic. Perfect. <laughs> Chip stumbles into blank. The stumbles of Chip. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, you know, I talk to my wife about this a lot because she sees how hard I work. Like mm. and she's seen it since we've been together like these eleven years. Like every night I come home from work and I would work on something else and um, uh, put all these things out there and and she she's the only person that actually sees kind of the work that I've done to get l- lucky in a sense mm-hmm. um, and also just keeping my eyes open, my senses open to things yeah. like you discover th- new things and new avenues every day if you kind of like if you if you're open to it yeah you know not, not to get too like it's, it's not a spiritual thing but like it could be just something as simple as like walking down the street and seeing like a want ad for something or mm-hmm. you know or seeing somebody you think you recognize and having a conversation with them and finding out that they work on a work for a, a movie producer and you're like oh that sounds fun and next thing you know you're down this road yeah like, it's um you know, maybe it's just kind of coming from a weird point of privilege that you can have those kind of encounters, but mm-hmm. um, it's the willingness to kind of take that chance. I had, uh, yeah. Again, my my university girlfriend, when we would walk around Peterborough, her favorite thing was to do something she called left-right center, and basically she just wanted to walk around and then just pick a direction. So every time she got to a new intersection, she's just like, I'm going to go left. Yeah. This time I'm going to go right. And she would just 
find herself in like weird places. That's amazing. And she just had experiences because she would just be open to let's see, you know, what we might want to want to do, and just yeah. that was her way of kind of exploring a city that was foreign to her, and you know, kind of finding all the nicks and crannies and all the weird kind of things that you would never so find good. if you just did. I'm going to my destination. I'm going to go straight. Yeah. Instead, I'm going to go this weird circuitous route, and she was open to doing that. And, that was kind of you know kind of a fun yeah. exciting way of you know kind of approaching life. I feel like I need to do more of that now, like because my ritual is very set now, mm-hmm. my, my kind of routine. Um, like I said, I miss the newspaper because of the variety True. of the day. Um, it was always something new, and always something that had to be done. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, jump here, jump there, jump there, go crawl up a building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a video of it online too if you're ever interested I think I've seen it yeah but the minute you mentioned I'm like that's very familiar to me I did not <laughs> yeah. know that was you yeah but I remember that yeah I get around I mean that that was I mean Toronto's a big city but sometimes it feels very small town news yeah you know what I mean like, oh yeah for sure like it's not a small city it's very big but it also when some when little things happen in the city it becomes a big story yeah well, I find the fact that like I was in the media it means that I know so many other kind of media people mm-hmm. that, like, I know almost everyone in the news now. Like, a thing will happen, and I'll be like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. Oh, that guy's in trouble right now. Oh, I know him. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, man. It's so, yeah, it is It is a real small kind of industry, and mm-hmm. which makes it feel like a small city for sure. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up and, and let you get back to your life in a moment. Yeah, but, um, no what was one of your favorite, uh, I'll put you on the spot, one of your favorite kind of visual gags in Sex Criminals? You've had a lot of amazing <laughs> gags. Hmm. I mean, uh, maybe not my favorite, but I definitely enjoyed it in the first couple of issues when you had just had the bathroom stall. Yes. All the different, and then I think in the trade you had like all the kind of the rejected ones or, the, or the, all the names of the other ones. That scene is probably the best example of Matt and I working together towards a goal okay so issue one the original script didn't have that scene in it okay there was another scene with Susie as a as a young girl it was at her grandmother's house and she's like watching like curling on TV or something like that and she like is rubbing against the carpet and has an orgasm and like oh okay. the world is beautiful now um but um that'd be very different <laughs> yeah so like my, my note to Matt on that was like well this is very similar to the party scene like she's mm. got this party scene where she walks around the world and everything's frozen. And I was like, you know, we promised people a joke book. We probably need to put more jokes in there. And um, I had the idea to make it so uh, Rachel pulls Susie in to the stall. And it's like, it's like an old relic. Like, it's just like, it's like sex moves from history. Like, okay. every every girl who's walked into this washroom is adding <laughs> to it. So it's like this, like, this special place. Um, and Matt, who is a better writer, um, understands that you need to tell the story. So he came up with the idea. Well, like let's have her come go in and like and she'll she'll do all the moves. So mm-hmm. right, she'll draw them out. So we're actually actively seeing these <laughs> being created. Like okay, that's that's that's, that's great. Um, and so we both came up with fifty words or terms. And we kind of. Bunched them together. Mm-hmm. Matt looked at them, picked out his top twenty. Okay. Passed those twenty to me. I narrowed it down to twelve. Okay. And then I had to figure out what they meant, <laughs> <laughs> and then draw them. And so that's the process. And once I put them, once I put them down, 
then Matt would come in and he'd reorganize the panels. Okay. He's like, he'd want a better organization for the, the story. Mm. Okay. And then we'd do the, the dialogue. So it was like, that to me is like a perfect example of comics making between actual collaborators where mm-hmm. we like, we both had a bunch of ideas thrown in there, mm-hmm. you know. As you said, it couldn't have existed without either of you being part of that process. <laughs> no, no. And then like, you know, I come up with like, what the moves actually look like and then Matt like reorganizes them and adds all this dialogue to like make sense of it all and, mm-hmm. uh, and to actually tell the story he wants to tell and yeah yeah that was a great sequence uh, yeah it, you know it's, it's, what I liked about it too is it also it was very much like this is what kids talking about this yeah. or like younger people talking about things but not really understanding how things work yeah exactly this is what it would be and I'm like that's perfectly correct <laughs> yeah. what, it, what this conversation would look like it, like it just felt very authentic to what a conversation between these two people would actually look like exactly exactly yeah yeah and yeah that sequence is still probably my favorite of the series <laughs> um, yeah visually like like in terms of background gags like um, I'm still really happy with uh, soft core hardcore Obama core <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's still the one that like I think stands the test of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are those are fun. Like uh, every issue, when I sit down to do it, a new one, and I read the script, and like mm-hmm. um, you know, there'll be a scene that calls for like a porn convention, I'll be like, oh my god! Like, but I'm out. I don't have any more ideas. Yeah. And then when I sit down to actually draw it, I'm like, oh wait, I'll do this. Oh wait, I'll do that. <laughs> and then like, it, it always it always comes together. Maybe by issue thirty one, it won't be quite as fresh. But Maybe. What um, I mean, like, so when you designed the store, Come World, mm-hmm. like, was that were you drawing from any particular stores? Did you actually do any kind of like in store research? It sounds no. weird to say it out loud. <laughs> you know, not not really for the store scene. The issue after that, where they go to the um, the uh, the adult video booth place, mm, yeah. Um, Matt's original kind of description of it and the photos he sent along were just like San Francisco, like peep shows. Like they just look like they looked really fake. Like okay. it was just like big neon and fun and like yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I think they're probably seedier than that, and so I I end up going to. It was the the metro, not the metro. It was the one on Young Street. Yeah, I forget the name. It was like I don't know, tri- Triple X Adult, Adult, yeah, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm like, I gotta check this out. And like, you know, I went in and you know, paid the money and went up the stairs in like middle of the day, and you know, it's super dark in there. And I'm just kind of like, I got my camera on me, but I'm just like kind of taking mental notes because yeah. you know, people see me taking pictures, and then you know, it's like this dark hallway. It's like just kind of like LED lights along the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wandering along. I was like, I look in one one of the doors open. Clearly, there's a video playing. I look in, and there's like this like there's this guy, this like this old guy, just sitting there, just with like, the tiniest penis I've ever seen. <laughs> and he's just like staring at me, just like doing this. <laughs> For the listeners, I'm making a jack off motion. <laughs> he kind of just like I think he just was like, hey, and I said. Oh hi, and I just kind of like 
nod to him, like, hmm, good day to you, sir. <laughs> and then I just kind of, like, quickly made my way down the hall, and I, I just kind of, like, locked myself in one of the rooms. Yeah. Took a bunch of pictures of, like, what was in the room. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. And I went out, and, like, the exit just dumps into the alley. Oh, really? I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know it's the middle of the day. It's like, yeah. It's like the worst alley. Like, I'm just <laughs> back there. I'm just like... I'm like, I'm going to get mugged. I'm going to yeah. get mugged, and I'm going to get in the paper. Yeah, and everyone's going to know where, where you came from. Yeah, exactly. There's no other reason you're in that alley. I know, yeah. I was, I was inside jerking off the tiniest penis I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, so, God. That's fine. That's um, too funny. I know, so yeah, that was the only one kind of place that I actually went to for for actual research. The rest of the times I just went for fun, but that was the only time for research. <laughs> But yeah, I found like, you know, I could see like most adult stories had websites that kind of show their selection. Yeah, so that's true. Um, yeah. I guess it's a little bit easier. Yeah. I Sometimes guess. I do more research for like the sex tips at the back in the letters column okay. or in the, uh, just the tips book. Because mm-hmm. um, you're just like, oh, what, what, what other variations of sex advice and tips are there? So I'd end up looking at a lot of like Cosmo top 90 ways to please your lover. Oh, yeah. And I'd just be going through all those trying to find one that I could like turn into a funny thing <laughs> yeah how easy was that oh it was very helpful was Cosmo, was, Cosmo was really helpful I was going to say probably the um yeah sometimes my screen will just have like just like the raunchiest stuff on it like just photos of like all types of like nude people and <laughs> sexual positions and I'm like my brother or my wife will come into my studio and I'm just like working away and I was like yeah, this is your job. Yeah, <laughs> this is research. You know, if anyone else came in and saw that on the computer, they'd just be like, "Oh, I clearly interrupted something." But I'm like, no, this is me. Just, I'm at work. This is just work today. I'm working. <laughs> um, I guess to close out, any anything you can uh, tease either for Sex Criminals or for Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. Well, this is a Spider-Man podcast. Um, Actually, no. This is uh, this general comic. Podcast. Oh, okay. So that's why we spend a lot of time in non-Spider-Man. I was gonna stuff. say, yeah, we seem a little weird. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. It's like for a Spider-Man podcast, we only talked about it for like ten minutes. It's a little weird. It's Spider-Man stuff all over this place. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Like for Spider-Man, so oh, the this... first issue comes out. I mean, so this episode will drop on the 9th of June. So I think it's still like two weeks away by the time people yeah, are yeah. listening to this. Yeah, June 21st is when the first issue comes out. Okay. Um, are you doing a big signing for that? Yeah, I'm going to New York to sign with Adam. That's pretty exciting. Uh, Forbidden Planet. That was announced today. Nice. Uh, Which would be, be cool. Um, it's tricky. Like, I don't even like solicitations of comics. Like, no? I hate giving away anything about a comic. Like, I'm just like, can we hide the villain on the cover? And like, the editor's like, no, we're trying to sell the book. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, for Spider-Man, I'm trying to think what I can reveal. You don't have to reveal anything. As you said, you don't like solicitations to say buy the book? Yeah, yeah, buy the book. That's number one. That way you can continue writing it for 20 issues. Number two, I will say that I've recently written my first J. Jonah Jameson scene, and that is a thrill. Yeah? Like like, like an actual like scene that takes place at the Daily Bugle. Nice. Um, Do you hear J.K. Simmons in your head as you write it, or...? It's kind of a mix of that in the '60s. I was going to say that's pretty close. Which are too. pretty similar. Yeah. Um, no Ed Asner in there. He did it. In the yeah, 90s. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. People forget about that. I know. Well, that, that was the period where I was not uh, taking in as much popular culture because mm. I was too cool for that. Yeah, it was like 
early years of college. Yeah. So I, I owned no TV. I couldn't afford comics. Mm. And I'm just drunk. But um, <laughs> priorities are important. Yeah, priorities are important. Uh, yeah, fucking Daily Bugle stuff is great because I'm just like, oh man, like I'm a newspaper guy. It's so yeah. good to like write a scene in a newspaper. That's, and like Jameson doesn't work for the Bugle, but uh, but I was able to get him in That's there. That's right, because he's with Fact Channel, right? Yeah, yeah. And faux news or <laughs> yeah, called. something like that. I know they were yeah. using him a lot over in Silk, but I think Silk's ended, right? Yeah, 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 I don't know. I think so. I can't remember. Uh, there's a lot of spider books. There are spider there related, are. I should say. So but there's only one that counts. <laughs> no, amazing, right? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, because he uh, he works for uh, the Fox News analog phone mm-hmm. news. Yeah, which is <laughs> nice. Kind of makes sense. Nice on the on the head. It's very on the nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so J. Jonah Jameson shows up, which is which is a treat. That's awesome. I've managed to have him so he kind of weaves in as much as I can get him in there, mm-hmm. which is fun. Um, yeah, him and Robbie. Yeah, so that's cool. That's the characters we haven't seen together in a long time. I feel. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know the scene I wrote is actually kind of tense. So that was kind of fun too, like to actually kind of have these characters with their history and like things aren't necessarily super cool right now. Hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That's cool. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. So for Sex Criminals, it's coming up. Uh, big stuff. I guess you're nearing the end of an arc, right? Yeah, yeah. Issue 20. Like I said, I'm just finishing that up and that's the end of the arc and it's, uh, it's heavy stuff. It's pretty big. And it's kind of nice, like, because when we were. we're Normally, when we've been working on the series, we had like the end point in mind, but we didn't have how to get there. Okay, like we're just kind of like making it up as we went along. Really, like you know, yeah. introduce characters, you know, create situations, and kind of working backwards, knowing we have a goal. Yeah, yeah, we have the goal. We're just kind of figuring our way there. Mm-hmm. But um, but to kind of like like it's only been a couple of months since we came up with the idea of the end point being issue thirty one, and now that we actually have that end point, like that's greatly affecting the story mm. um, in a good way or a bad way well in a, in a, in a great way because it's like now we now we have we know how many issues we have it focuses yeah. we know all the characters we have we know where we need them to end up and now we have to figure that out yeah and like so every issue I think every issue from now until the end is going to feel big yeah. and major in a way I feel like, like it happened to like Lost because like it's it, it was a show where as long as it was yeah. going to not have an ending they kind of had to just cycle their wheels, but then then they made the deal that they were going to have three more seasons. Each season was going to be a certain amount of episodes, yeah. and suddenly the storytelling became a lot more focused. Yeah, uh, because they had to be because now they knew what they had left. They didn't have to yeah. keep things going, not knowing when it, it was going to end. Now they knew exactly what was going to happen. So I guess it kind yeah. of cons- makes things more concise and pulls things together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's forced both Matt and I to kind of like figure out what we want to get out of the series as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, what we want to kind of deliver to people as well because um, we've had a lot of like they're I think they're they're great fun issues that don't necessarily advance the plot a lot but it'll develop a character a mm-hmm. fair amount I think that's important oh, yeah. but also you know at this point it's like okay now we've got a lot of like we keep adding characters and creating kind of like dangling plot points Mm. And it's like, okay, now we have to actually have to figure out ways to wrap them up. Which is, yeah, it's exciting for me as a creator 
getting to actually kind of draw resolutions mm-hmm. and figure out like major emotional beats. Yeah. And uh, and also as a reader because I read the script, so like sure. you know I like getting a new script and being like, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. Like, I can't <laughs> wait to draw that. What uh, I know we're trying to end it, but yeah, I no problem. Ask um, Robert Rainbow. Uh-huh. Where'd that name come from? Because like a lot of them have like you know <coughs> names that are very kind of suggestive or you know like Johnson and you know like they just they're all kind of you know yeah. on theme and his name is starkly not. There's something there. It's I think Matt stole it from a reader's brother. Okay, I, I forget if he met her at a convention or. Or if it was like an email, but I think Matt was like, "Oh, that's a great name. I'm taking it." Like, <laughs> that's that. And okay. then, you know, when he told me about the character, um, I brought in my cousin to uh, be the person that's based off of. Okay, uh, your model, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because I have models for John and Susie in the book. Yeah. A couple of friends of mine. I'm the model for the therapist. When I read it in the trade. I almost didn't know if it was a joke or not because I was like, because I know that you, you have a sense of humor, and like yeah, I was yeah. like, is this real or is he just playing around? What about about the like? There's the in the trade. There's a section about the models. And okay, like yeah, interview yeah. with the models that it's supposed to be Matt interviewing the models about how you oh yeah, yeah. And stuff. Yeah. And when I was reading, I was like, is it just is it real? <laughs> yeah, no, 100 percent real because like because it could have easily not just because you guys obviously play with a big sense of humor about things and so I was like you know yeah. almost have to be like is this is this legitimate or is this a gag yeah I mean up, up until Sex Criminals like I'd never really used models for anything mm-hmm. like if I need reference on like a pose like sometimes I just like pose in front of a mirror or like yeah. laptop camera to get the gesture um, but I kind of knew with this like I didn't want each character to feel like me like okay. my kind of gestures and how I would draw a character like mm. fall into patterns and I like the idea of like actual body language from actual people yeah yeah inhabiting the inhabiting the characters with actual characteristics from real people mm-hmm. um, like there's certain poses that only my friend Tiffy does and that's Susie now yeah and same with my friend Alex and John um, what made you decide to use them as, as those models then because you're essentially casting them as roles in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my friend Tiffy, um, I kind of had her in mind from the beginning. Like, when I was kind of sketching out the characters, I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, no, like, she's got the look that I, I kind of want for this. And um, Matt's kind of character notes for John, where he basically wanted a, a, a hunky John Ham type. Okay. And my friend Alex is super attractive. Okay. And comically tall, and I love the idea of like, with the fact that my friend Tippy's kind of on the shorter side, mm-hmm. like so they make kind of that awkward looking couple, yeah, um, which is super funny. And the first time they met was coming over to my studio to shoot reference for issue one. Oh really? And uh, I want to shoot it chronologically, just so I can keep track of like um, what's going on. Yeah. And so I have my layout. So I'm like, all right, so you know, Tippy, Alex, Alex, Tippy. All right, so the first page, you're going to be um, uh, grinding on the counter. So, Tiffy, if you want to sit on my desk here and, uh, like, so, <laughs> right off the bat, I got them to simulate sex for me so I could take yeah. pictures, which is very awkward. Yeah. Um, well, it can't ever get weirder than that, though, right? No, that's true. It's a good icebreaker. It's and, a great icebreaker, yeah. Um, Especially when, you know, two people who are modeling for you have never met each other. Yeah, yeah. 
thank God they were just so cool with everything. And yeah. now it's kind of become a thing where they come in every issue. Like I, I get the script from Matt. I do all the layouts for it, and then I have Tiffany Alex come over, mm-hmm. and over the course of an hour or two in the evening, I'll order some Indian takeout, mm-hmm. get some wine going. <laughs> Um, you know, my studio is basically like a renovated garage, so it's okay. got this nice in there, and you know, we got the the pull up bed, and <laughs> and we set the mood. Yeah, we just like we're all like super good friends now, so we just like all catch up and like, yeah. you know, and look at the time. Like, oh, we better take the photos, do that in like twenty minutes, and then um, this is one of my favorite parts of every issue is like having them over. Yeah, because um, everyone's lives have changed so much since the beginning of this. Like Tiffy's gotten married and had a kid, and like um, you know, Alex has traveled and you know is uh, still hunky. <laughs> Good, he's keeping it consistent. He works at a comic shop too, so there's oh, yeah. like that weird like thing of looking like the character in the comic that you're selling people. That's funny. Yeah, that's kind of surreal. Yeah, yeah, it really <laughs> is. Um, hey, this this character looks like you. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah. So yeah, so they're they're the models for the main characters. Like I said, I'm the model for the therapist. Okay. Doc. Um, there's no other real models, kind of like directly being used, except for my cousin Antonio is Robert Rainbow. Okay. And he's like a, he's an actor, and so uh, so he's super eager for this to become a TV show, so he can audition for himself. Oh. <laughs> Have there been discussions about adaptations or? Yeah, yeah, we sold the rights. To Universal um, a couple years ago now and it feels like we're getting close to an actual uh, deal with like where the show will end up okay like which kind of cable outlet how crazy does that feel again like obviously the sex criminals changed your life yeah but like the fact that it could become like a TV show the TV stuff I try to not think about because I recognize how long shot that is true like no matter what anyone says, like, you know, there could be producers all over Hollywood saying, this is the best and it's going to be on TV next year. I'm like, mm-hmm. probably not. Yeah. Um, I mean, even powers to click. How long to actually yeah. be somewhere that people could, you know, watch and you, it? And you don't even know all the stories of, like, the things that never <laughs> were, right? For sure. Um, but the good part about this is the, the initial deal with Universal is super favorable towards the creators in the sense that, like, Matt gets to write the pilot. Wow. He gets to be, like, basically the showrunner. Okay. So, there's a lot of control. Uh, yeah, that's huge. That kind of sits with us, which is nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus, I mean, if only the pilot gets produced, it's you know, the more pure kind of mm-hmm. version of the, of your product. Of yeah, the, yeah. Of like your story. It would be amazing to have a, a TV show of, you know, our work for people to see, but I'm, I'm mostly just excited to do a pilot. Mm-hmm. Like if it does get picked up, then I'll probably I'll fly to LA just to like not even interfere really, just to kind of watch it happen. Yeah, just be there. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a fun experience, and like if it doesn't go beyond that, it doesn't go beyond that. Like the fact that you know we can kind of give it our all and uh, see where that takes us, probably enough for me. Absolutely. That's. I mean, that's. So I would like some Walking Dead style money. <laughs> Who wouldn't, right? That does sound pretty good. The thing took off like crazy. Yeah, jeez. Can you imagine Sex Criminals, the biggest show on television everyone's talking about? Nope. <laughs> no well, considering it was, you know, the, the Dick and Fart joke uh, book that, you know, shouldn't have succeeded. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be the kind of show that would get like a lot of buzz. Yeah, and maybe like a, a decent cult following. I think I'd be happy with that. T- Times TV show of the year. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that that'd be insane. Yeah, that'd be a nice coming full circle. Yeah, <laughs> full circle. Back up that truck with money. Yep, that's Excellent. my favorite kind of circle. <laughs> the one that ends up with me being rich. Yeah. Well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chip, thank you so much for joining us yeah, and yeah. Uh, for taking the time out of your day to uh, to spend with us and uh, to talk about your career in comics. And we can't wait to see, obviously, Spectacular Spider-Man in a couple mm-hmm. weeks and also more and more sex criminals until issue 31. Yay. All right. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you.